This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today we have a podcast full of Patreons. We have uh, Eric joining us on the line right now. He's going to be talking Boston Celtics with us. Then we have John coming on later to talk about the uh, college prospects and comparisons for them. And then we have our boy Z coming on to talk about his Phoenix Suns and should the Phoenix Suns take John Morant over Zion Williamson if they get the number one overall pick. And we'll also have Wet Boys in there as well. But before we jump into all of that, before we welcome in Eric for his first ever Patreon segment, we do want you to check out patreon.com slash podcast. We have three new tiers. We have the bronze tier where you get a ton of content just for $1 a month. You have the uh, silver tier for the $5 a month thing where you get all the content and then you can uh, suggest a topic as well. Or you can join the gold membership where you get the silver and bronze stuff and you get the ability to call in like Eric, like John, and like Z. And now let's move to Eric. And Eric, welcome on. We're glad to finally have you. There's been uh, some problems getting you on with uh with with family stuff for you but we're glad we can finally talk to you about the boston celtics yeah no i'm, I'm glad to be here and uh, kind of shoot the shit yeah for sure uh that's that's a big thing we like to do here is shoot yeah. the shit uh <laughs> and we think we get yelled at it for sometimes but uh you know in the, <laughs> it's sort of our jam in, in the end it's it's fun and that's it's all that matters uh and one thing that the celtics were kind of doing was shooting the shit early on in the season uh oh. this was a team that was expected to have 60 wins uh end up you know the fourth seed uh in the eastern conference but so far they've gotten off to a great start in the first round, they have three wins over the Indiana Pacers, uh, 84-74, 99-91, and then 104-96. They play tomorrow at noon to try to close that out in Indiana. So far as a Boston fan, how has this playoff been, at least how has this Boston season, the Celtics fan, uh, the Celtics season been for you so far? Well, I mean, it's, it's been a roller coaster, right? I mean, um, I mean, I, I even think uh, Bill Simmons bet the over, right? It was like yeah. 64 wins or something like that. Yeah, I think he said 67. Yeah, yeah, I was 67. looking that up, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that wasn't going to happen. I mean, uh, I mean, I grew up in Boston, like, with, with like the Larry Bird area. So uh, seeing, seeing this kind of hype was good. Um, but uh, they're not a team. I mean, any anything with Kyrie is all about him, him, him. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I I think we have a decent shot just because of the overall talent, but um, you know, if he's your number one, I, I, I do have long-term concerns. Yeah, the one thing I want to ask for you, I mean, so far these, these playoffs have been going well for uh, for the Celtics so far, and this has been a crazy, at least, Boston year. Uh, you obviously have the Patriots winning back um, in, in February, and then before that you have the uh, Red Sox winning in October. Um, so so what has this been like just being, and even even the Bruins, too, in the first round, they're kind of dealing with a little bit with the uh, the, the, the Maple Leafs right now being down 3-2. But what has it been like, at least being a fan of these teams? If you are a fan of all uh, all four teams, I know you're a Patriot fan. Uh, what's it been like, you know, going through all the success? Has it been difficult? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's uh, like every, you know, every three months we win a championship around here. It seems like on on one of the four major sports. Um, you know, but growing up, remember, like for me, I mean, in the '80s and '90s, like all the four Boston teams were were awful. You know what I mean? The the Red Sox, the the Celtics had a run in the 80s, but, I mean, the Patriots, the Bruins, uh, none of them really won championships except the Celtics. Um, you know, so gr- now it's it's sort of, 
overkill or, or sort of you become used to it and you uh, I think once Brady leaves and, and once you know Belichick leaves and once um, you know the Celtics don't have a plethora of New Jersey traffic capital and kind of the good fortune of all these teams it's going to be sort of a, a huge letdown like if you drink like a bunch of Red Bulls you know, it'll be kind of <laughs> It'll be kind of bad, you know. Yeah, you keep riding that. Uh, you keep riding that wave, uh, and it's been a long way for you guys. So, I mean, it's good to see. But at least with the uh, the Celtics, this is a team, obviously, that you know, this things might change big in the off season uh, with Kyrie. And and let's jump into at least the the talk so far. Um, it, it's really about can we trust the Boston Celtics? And uh, you know, you you talked about it being a roller coaster. Has this been kind of one of the more like even ro- you know strengths of the lengths of the season for you uh, right now? Has this been a, a way that you can kind of get into the Celtics and kind of trust that they? can go into every single game and win? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all about, um, you know, I'm a big proponent on the eye test, right? And if you're watching them and they're actually, you know, making two and three passes when they, when they bring it down the court and it's not just one-on-one with Kyrie and, you know, or, or some ISO with, with Tatum, um, then then we're going we're gonna to crush them. I mean, look at game three. I mean, Jalen Brown was going off. And he's not even... You know, he's what our fourth or fifth option out there. Yeah, that man couldn't miss. Rookie. So, yeah, and it, it's it's something that is definitely you know intriguing uh, with the Celtics because I mean even last year, the past two years, uh, you guys have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals and been so close. So I mean, Dave, looking at this so far, I mean, do you think that you can trust the Celtics uh, being not a Boston fan, being being an outsider? Is this one of the better strengths lengths you've seen of the Celtics so far this season? Yeah, without a doubt, I think the the late year improvements from Gordon Hayward. I mean, we knew he wasn't healthy day mm-hmm. one of the season, but as the season went on, we saw a little bit more consistency, and especially at the uh, All Star break, uh, that post period, he really started to hit his stride. So. Seeing him have his confidence back and going to the hole was fantastic. And just being able to use that depth to their advantage on the wing with Jalen, Jason, Gordon Hayward, and Marcus Morris, like those four guys, that's the great thing about them is you have four guys who can give it to you any given night. So as long as you have consistent play out of Al Horford, which he has been everything, you know, for them consistently, and Kyrie Irving, like, they have an answer for almost everything, I feel like. It's just next man up, you know, in that mentality. I just, for me, the thing I wonder is this first series, and of course, like, Kyrie's been good, and the Celtics overall have been good. Obviously, they're up 3-0. But I wonder, is this more of the Celtics playing very good or the Pacers just not being the team that they should be? Like, the, the Vic injury is they'd be a vastly different team if Oladipo was out there. So I wonder if it's like the Celtics are just beating down a wounded Pacer team that is not matched for the Celtics. And that's why, for me, I'm looking forward to the next round, Celtics-Bucks. And for me, I feel like the Celtics, that is going to be their toughest series. If they win that series, they're going to be in the finals. If not, obviously, they'll lose in that one. But it's like one of those two teams, the Bucks, the that's Celtics. That's where you got your money? Winner of that series is going to the finals out of the East because I think looking at the Celtics, the Raptors kind of questionable, but like if they go up against Philly in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, there's no doubt in my mind the Celtics team can beat Philly. Sorry, Jake. I, I agree with that. I, I, if whoever wins that Celtics Bucks, I agree with you, Ricky, on that. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for the Celtics is just finding that consistency. And if they do find it, I mean, we, we talked about this early on in the season. I mean, they have all the talent. They have all the depth. And I think the biggest thing that I've just loved so far is just Jason Tatum's kind of play in the playoffs so far. And he has risen. Um, he was a guy that wasn't super consistent throughout the, the season this year, uh, but he has taken that step to become uh, even better. And, and, and so far in the playoffs, you know, this year he was going uh, 15.7 uh, points per game, uh, six boards uh, a night, 2.1 assists on 50 or 45, 37, and then uh, 85 shooting. And then so far this year through the three games, and it has been three games, uh, 19.7 points, 4.7 boards, 1.3 assists, but then 53% from the field, 58% from three, and, and then you know a measly 40% from the free throw line, uh, but he's taken five. Uh, so that's that's a little bit less uh, to worry about. But defensively, he's also been fantastic. So yeah. you, you're seeing step up in players, which is something that, you know, it's I think it's kind of bullshit when you see guys like kind of turn it on for the playoffs, mm-hmm. but you'd rather have them turn on for the playoffs than like a, you know, a game 62 against the Suns. It's the, you have that next gear in your game. Mm-hmm. And, and Tatum so far has shown that. I mean, last year, you averaged 18, 18 and a half uh, in the playoffs last year for the Celtics, and, and now <coughs> so far he's he's taken that up even a, even a, a notch further. So um, having the Celtics have that, having a leader in Kyrie, at least on the floor, I don't know if he's a leader off the floor, but at least on the floor being a leader out there <laughs> is huge. Uh, and then uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, Al Horford, a guy who's very, uh, you know, a veteran-heavy guy there, and then just great depth with, uh, uh, you know, Terry Rozier, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, and then even when they get Marcus Smart back, too, that's going to be huge as well. So yeah. I feel like, you know, with Brad Stevens being the coach, he puts them in the right spot, and the talent just needs to win out. And mm-hmm. this is a team that they're going up against in Indiana that isn't that talented. They're just very well coached, and they're very good guys, mm-hmm. uh, very good players. There's no star on that team because Victor Oladipo's hurt. Um, so I think this was a perfect first-round matchup for them because they do have the talent. They're being put in the right spots to win, and now they're kind of gaining that confidence to go up against a tough team like Milwaukee in the next round. Well, and that's the question I want to shoot towards you, Eric, is let's say it is Boston and Milwaukee in the second round. As a Celtic fan, what are you thinking coming into that series? Is it going to be tough and going to be a Celtic win, or are the Bucks in your mind, because they're the number one seed, the favorite to win that series against the Celtics? Uh, you know, if, if you look at any analytics, I mean, the Bucks had one of the best statistical seasons ever. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of equate it, you know, in the, the late 80s when, when we would be going up against Jordan. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you stop Giannis. You know what I mean? And so if we can push it to seven, mm-hmm. you know, I think we got a shot. But I... I kind of have a feeling we're going to be out in about six. That's, yeah, and, that, six. and that's the thing I'm kind of thinking about is Giannis in every game against the Celtics this year averaged 30 points per game. So it's like <laughs> Giannis is going to get his. You're not going to stop him. The Marcus Smart injury might come to bite you guys in that mm-hmm. series because, I mean, he's a really good defender. To me, the most important thing, and this is actually going to be beneficial to Boston if he's not able to come back on time, Malcolm Brogdon. If Brogdon yeah. plays from day one, I side with the Bucks. If he doesn't and misses some games and the Celtics could steal one, then maybe I lean Boston's way to upset Milwaukee. Well, one thing I want to ask you then, Eric, is if you're saying Bucks and six, I want to kind of wonder, uh, I kind of, I wonder like what, you, where your confidence level is, I guess, because you know we we talked about Boston's success so far throughout the uh, postseasons, uh, starting with the Red Sox. 
it kind of it was easier to have i'm guessing uh you know confidence in them because they had 108 wins uh you know were the you know top winner uh you know most wins in the, in the MLB last year uh, and then you look at the patriots just the constant success for them um what's what's the reason you don't really have the confidence in, in the celtics is it just the the lack of consistency is it the lack of uh talent you think um is it the lack no. of cohesion i i'm you know we we all we all sometimes uh, play some bets or play some gas games, right? And um, if I if I had some wagering money, I would have put a bunch of money on the Bucks to win the championship. I mean, statistically, they've been so good this year. It's actually my uh, confidence in the Bucks mm. more than my lack of confidence in Celtics. I I, I think that um, you know, to me, the 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 far favorite, even over Golden State and Houston. Like, if I had to put my money down. You know, a month ago, even and then still today, it would be on the Bucks to win the championship. More uh, confidence in them than lack in myself. Yeah, no, I mean that's it's fair. They, I think they blow out so many teams throughout the year. They've just got the track record this season. <laughs> like you said, you can only hope to contain Giannis. You can't really stop that man. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that having you know the early success in the series against the Pacers means a whole lot more for a team like the Celtics than the Bucks doing what they're doing to the Detroit Pistons, yeah, which is hilarious. Um, but the, the Celtics, like, watching Kyrie hit that next level in Game 3 where he put up, what, 37 points. Like, he had that confidence. He wanted the ball in his hands. He was going to the hole. Um, that's exactly what you want. You want Kyrie in that state of mind because my fear for the Celtics team is if they go out the gates and stumble against the Bucks, what that first loss will do to that team that's what will set the precedent for the rest of the series. If they can, you know, come together as a team like we haven't seen a ton this season, they could absolutely get a rollback and try to try to take out the Bucks. But if they react with infighting, if Kyrie goes off, if he says something that starts up shit, mm-hmm. like that, that's the flaming dumpster that is the the, the Celtic season right there at that point. It's just I mean, it's on the edge, you know. If the, yeah, I mean, if the Celtics. If the Celtics, I mean, they have the talent. If they go in and steal one, and then they end up getting past the Bucks, that's why I, you know, jumped up and down and agreed with Ricky when I said, "Yeah, if they get through the Bucks, they're going to easily get by the Sixers on the way to to the finals." Yeah, you guys have I mean, the Sixers like, numbers for years. Yeah. No, and yeah, uh, I mean, do you think the Raptors are a different matchup though? Yeah, definitely. I mean, with with, with Siakam. Uh, you know, uh, that development came out of nowhere. That's crazy. That, that, yeah, for sure. One question that's circling through my mind, and it's kind of like hearing Dave talk about Kyrie, and this is kind of proceeding, not proceeding, succeeding this year, of like moving on past this year. Mm-hmm. Kyrie either this year or let's say he stays in Boston and he's here for multiple years. Do you think the Celtics can be a finals champion with Kyrie on that team, or are you almost like, you know what, if we don't win it this year, I'm not upset if Kyrie walks because I'm not sure if we're going to win with Kyrie because of that infighting that might happen (laughs) with a personality like Kyrie Irving. I I think it all depends on what we do with that draft capital, right? I mean, we have, depending on that Memphis pick, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can end up with four first-round picks. I mean, we have three hundred percent now, and so if we can flip those for Anthony Davis, if we can flip those for, uh, you know, a, another tier one level, then yeah, if, if not, then 
then I would kind of look to, to go down that road that you said with Kyrie and, and flip him for something or kind of move on from him and let him go to New York. I mean, uh, you know what I mean? I don't think he has that um, killer mentality. Right? Oh, okay. You think Jason Tatum's the guy then to put a, put the weight on his yeah. shoulders moving forward? Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. I mean, that's why, like, I almost even tried to make that argument that, and I heard you guys are going to do it, that, um, you know, John Morant should be picked over Zion. I mean, Ja has that killer mentality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, does Zion love playing basketball? Yeah, but does he have that kind of killerness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, especially from his position. So it's hard to take over games when the ball's not always in your hands like it would be for a John Morant. Yeah. One thing I do want to get in, though, one draft pick that I am way higher on than most people is a Tyler Hero. I, I, I would pick him fifth or sixth. I, I think he's going to be really, really good. Real, I mean, that's uh, it's interesting be the third because segment where yeah. we bring up Tyler Hero. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, we we had uh, John on a, a little bit earlier. He's going to be on later, uh, at least podcast wise. Um, but he actually had the uh, the Celtics taking Hero with, with that fourteenth pick. Um, so, I love that. So so he has he has you got. What do you like about him? At least that you you have him going six. So if you're saying that that Memphis pick translates, let's say it, it becomes Tonight. the ninth pick, yeah. Um, yeah. you'd be fine with them taking Tyler Hero there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, the the reason is, it, you ever watch like um, some of his high school highlights where he was getting um, taunted that he was overrated and like his reaction to it? Yeah, it's yeah. That he, it, you, if you guys have seen those videos, you know what I mean. It's um, he's got that same kind of killerness to him. I I, I would take him probably fifth, sixth, maybe maybe fifth in the draft. Yeah, no, there's something about that attitude to just, it's not quite as bad as the Reggie Miller choke thing right back at Spike Lee, (laughs) but it kind of gives you that same, like, warm feeling. It's like, yeah, Yeah, you just just told you off a little bit, gave you that for you. I will say it's probably a little bit easier to do that in high school than it is, like, you know, college and then the NBA, but hey, uh, I mean, one thing, again, that we said, I mean, Brad Stevens puts his guys into good positions to succeed, and, and Tyler Hero has shown that he does have that, that, that skill to be a guy that can put up points, and I think... One thing that would really help him is the fact that he has a guy in Jason Tatum who who can handle the ball and can dish out, uh, you know, dish the ball around uh, as a forward. Uh, Al Horford's a great uh, big man uh, when it comes to passing, and and I think a big thing is just you know getting him a little bit of space. And if you can already give him space, he can create enough oh space uh, to to be dangerous. So I think him on the Celtics is definitely an, a very interesting fit. Um, and, and I think that's one thing that's kind of holding them back too, is because yes, they have Kyrie, yes, they have uh, Jason Tatum, uh, but I don't really feel like they have that guy that they can go to. to I mean, outside of Kyrie and, and Tatum, to hit a big shot, and I, I don't yeah, think yeah. that really um, kind of exists for them. Because if if you are going up against a team, let's say like the Milwaukee Bucks, where they have Eric Bledsoe who can go up against Kyrie and and, and take him out, uh, you have a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo who can go up against Jason Tatum and take him out. Who's going to be that next guy that steps up for Boston? That's the biggest question that I have for them. Is is yes, they have a lot of depth where they can provide a lot of different looks lineup wise, but who are going to be the guys that can rise up and score for them? And I think that was interesting that you also brought up Siakam as well for the Raptors because you have Kawhi who can shut down. Uh, uh, Their entire uh, team can shut down is the problem. Jason the Raptors Tatum. are just like, I heard you like your defense with some more defense on top of defense, then some additional <laughs> defense with a side of defense. My thing is like you need another guard, and I don't know if they have that other guard unless it's Terry Rozier, but Terry Rozier might not even be on the team next year. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's things where you look at the Celtics, and there, there are different uh, you know flaws to this team that do do stand out, but I think when we're when we're going back to the Celtics and about the, the the trust that we can put into them, 
I think that they're probably the team I could probably trust the second most, um, just because they have been to the Eastern Conference Finals, and this is to win the East. Uh, they have been to the Eastern Conference Finals twice now. Uh, you know, I, I put them behind the Bucks, and you look at the Raptors. I don't really trust them just because of what Kyle Lowry does and doesn't do, and that's just he's not consistent at all when it comes to the playoffs, yeah. and you need your second-best player to step up, and I think Tatum has been stepping up for the Celtics. I think Irving has stepped up for him, and even though he might be going to New York, he has been putting a lot into it, and I, I know you're saying that you're not a huge fan of him taking over games, but I've seen it before, and he, he has risen to the occasion, and you got to look back at the uh, Game 7 against uh, Golden State uh, two years ago, whatever it was, when they won the finals. Uh, Taking three years big ago. shots. Yeah, took a big shot, hit it, hit the game winner for them. So I, 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 oh, think, I think I think you can take over games. I just it, it, him as your number one winning championships. It's it's kind of ah, that is a different like question. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I think it's there because I, I think yeah he's your number one, but it's it's a different number one because uh, you still have so many guys around there that can be good solid twos and threes. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tatum's a solid two. I think. Horford's a solid three. I think uh, Gordon Hayward, when he's fully healthy, he's a solid three as well. Um, you think so the he... fact that they have so many guys that can be a part of like mm. those nucleuses. I'm yeah. not saying Hayward's there yet, but like when Hayward was fully healthy and scoring, no, no, that's he's what I'm saying. A, a like, great three. So are you putting him? At, uh, you're putting Tatum and his production and Horford and his production above where you think Gordon Hayward would be. I would that's say my question. Horford and Hayward on the same level. Okay. Um, when they're both fully healthy, because Hayward uh, Hayward hasn't been healthy and, not, and, and hasn't been consistent. Neither is Horford this year. Um, Horford's kind of taking a step back, but when he's fully on, he's a great three. And when when Hayward's on, he's a great three. And yeah. I think that's one thing that these teams don't have is that you know the Bucks have uh, Bledsoe, they have Giannis, they have uh, Middleton. That's their big three, and there's no one really coming in and out of that. The the Raptors they have Lowry, they have Siakam, they have Ka- Kawhi. That's their big three, and no one's really coming in and out of that. Uh, you look at these the the Seventy Sixers. They kind of have that ability, like the Celtics do, where they, they have Simmons, they have Embiid, they have Butler. But Tobias Harris has risen up to the occasion before. Uh, JJ Redick has risen up to the occasion before. I think the Celtics. You look at them; they have the ability to add those guys. And and Jalen Brown, I think defensively can even add that to be a, a big three uh, as well. Um, I think that he provides so much defensively that it that it can show. He hasn't shown that a ton this year, but I think that's one thing the, the Celtics do have, and I think that's the reason why I put them second when it comes to trusting it. It's just the fact that they have to play the the, the Bucks in the second round. Yeah, uh, that, that's tough. So they're ass. going up against the, the the 76ers in the third round, or sorry, in the second round, and then going up against the Bucks in the third round. That would give me a lot more, uh, you know, confidence in, in, in going up against them because you just have to win four. You just have to win four games. You don't have to, you know, go up and then you know look to another round uh, or another two rounds after that to get to the finals. So I, I think the Celtics are a team that uh, they need some help, at least when it comes to scoring, but they do have so much talent there that they can really fill out and give teams problems. And again, that's just uh, a credit to their depth and the way that Brad Stevens uses them. Yeah, I think it, it it's always been a fact of they, they just suck at rebounding and like not to attack <laughs> Al Horford, but like he's not, he's not the best rebounder. And, you know, they've, I like the extremely short minutes they've given to uh, their big stand Daniel obviously has been their bruiser this year, but like, I just I wonder if that's what's going to kill them against the Bucks. Like, mm-hmm. that's a team where Giannis is so aggressive in the paint. Eric Bledsoe absolutely goes for offensive rebounds aggressively. They just they they have such a tenacious attacking team that I think that that's probably what's going to do them in. Yeah, with me, it's just I'm looking at the Boston Celtics, and it's just. Do they have the heart of the champion in them? Yes. It's just, will they get there? Mm-hmm. And that's the big question. Can they get over Mount Giannis is well, my biggest thing. Well, let's throw the final question out there. Mm-hmm. Can they? So what are your thoughts right now? 
Uh, I, not even first round finish, but what, what do you think if they're going up against the, the, the Bucks? What would that look like, Ricky? I think it depends on Malcolm Brogdon and how he looks coming back. If he comes back and he's 100% healthy, I'm going to agree with what Eric said earlier, Bucks and six. Got that 50-40-90, if he's, 90 kids. If he's 50-50, then I see it going to seven, and the Celtics might be able to squeak it out, but I'd still lean with the Bucks. If... Malcolm Brogdon is not even near 50% coming back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Celtics in six or seven. Like wow. Malcolm Brogdon is the key for me, whether or not the Bucks win, because Giannis is going to get his. Eric Bledsoe is going to do good. I mean, one of the games like Thon Maker and Tony Snell were getting Thon points. Maker isn't even on I the team I know, and that's what I'm saying. He's not there. Malcolm Brogdon was a consistent piece of he did well in every single game against Boston. Now, Marcus Smart not being there. That might play into it, but Malcolm Brogdon's the key. If he's healthy, Bucks and six. I'm probably going with the Bucks and six as well. Looking forward. I just Chris Middleton had such a massive series against them in a losing effort last year. I think that he's going to have the same keys to success again this year. So I think just as a team, they're just incredibly well rounded. And yeah, Giannis, what you going to do? I'm going to go and say the Celtics and seven because I think the Bucks haven't gotten enough. Uh, the Bucks haven't gotten enough test. I mean, Ooh. like you look at it, they're going up against Pistons. It hasn't been close. One twenty-one, yeah. eighty-six, one twenty-nine. Hey, the Pistons were at halftime a game too. That did happen <laughs> before they. And then they blew them out by 20, yeah. 21. So, I think the fact that they're not going up against tough competition will honestly hurt them. I mean, yes, they're going to get healthier. They're going to mm-hmm. add Brogdon, but I'll, I'll take the Celtics in seven, uh, just because I think they, while they are going to sweep the, the Pacers, or at least close to sweeping the Pacers, they have been close games. They have been hard fought games. And if I think they collapse the Pacer series, though. If they go from 3 0 to losing 4 3, mm-hmm. don't yeah, put I don't that think that's going to happen. Um, they, 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 uh, teams never blown a 3 0 lead um, in the NBA playoffs. But I think the the thing with that, though, is just I, I think that the Celtics can not shut down Giannis, but shut down everybody else. And I think that's the biggest thing for them. And they, they could probably even slow down Giannis just a little bit. Um, if not, though, I don't think it's going to be a huge killer because I think they can slow down everybody else on that team, and that's going to be so huge for them because they can score in different ways. Um, I just don't know if they have that go-to score at the end when teams are, are really focusing in on, and closing yeah. in on them. But in the first half, I think this team could really put up points uh, with with the multiple uh, team you know looks they can throw out there. Um, Eric, I will go to you though and and, and ask you know you have Bucks and six. Uh, what ways can the Celtics beat the Bucks? Um, I mean, I think if Gordon steals the game, I think mm. that's what that. That's how I could see them not even squeaking. I think they could, they could flip it to winning it, in, like you said, in seven or six, and it not being that tight. I think that, uh, you know, paying thirty million to someone that was shooting what, you know, thirty percent or thirty-five percent was killing us earlier in the year. Uh, you know, I think Dave hit it right, right, right on the head. I mean, uh, once he started shooting, you know, forty-five percent, then you know that's sure three points a game. Um, my concern about the Bucks is, is they just their, their points per game differential is almost double what ours was. I think it was around like eight point nine or something like that. You know, everybody else was in the four to five range if they were good. Um, but I, I think if Gordon steals the game, then 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 we can win it in seven. Yes, yeah. I think I think that that is something big that you know the the, the Bucks do have this crazy point differential. Um, throughout the, the regular season. But I think it's just something, you know, now it's the playoffs and everything. I think you can kind of throw out everything for the regular season. It kind of gives you a baseline. But, I mean, it, things change uh, when you hit that when you hit that regular season. And, and I think you can see that uh, from the Patriots, you know, going in. It wasn't going to be a team 
that people were going to pick to win the win the Super Bowl. You know, like Tom Brady's too old. This defense isn't good enough. I'm, I don't care, Ricky. <laughs> you know, and, and and everybody doubts him. And then here we come. Yeah. Here the Patriots come. Here come here comes Tom Brady. And and great coaching and great to, uh, and great talent rises to the top. So. Same. Always rises to the top. We had to get our Tom Brady in. <laughs> we had to. Come on. You get your six. You got it. You got to get it. I should wear my Brady shirt. Uh, but it was fun talking to you, Eric. Uh, and we'll have you on uh, soon as well because uh, we got to get your band topic in as well mm-hmm. uh, with Ricky and Mark. Uh, we're really excited to hear that. Uh, so if you do want to listen to that topic, uh, that's mostly going to be the May MVP podcast uh, where Ricky, Mark, and Eric talk about the greatest bands of all time. Uh, Eric, you want to give us a little bit of a, a, a sneak peek at all? You want to give us th- maybe throw out a band you're thinking about? Uh, I mean, to me, it would be a tie, right? It, it's either going to be The Grateful Dead or Bob Dylan. I mean, to me, there were two prophets. I love it. I love it. I think I, I just watched something about Bob Dylan where people were making fun of him. Did you see the thing about uh, him uh, with the cell phones? And he was like, we can either pose or we can either play. <laughs> no. Yeah, he was, he was being an old man, uh, being mad at people taking out their cell phones and taking a picture of Bob Dylan. I mean, you're seeing Bob Dylan, so I mean, you gotta you got to like mm-hmm. at least take a picture and be like, hey, wow, I'm seeing Bob Dylan. This is awesome. But uh, yeah. Dylan's definitely up there uh, for me. I don't know about the Grateful Dead. I, I never got into the Deadhead stuff. But uh, I'm definitely interested to hear the conversation that you and Ricky and Mark uh, will have, and we're uh, appreciate that you're finally uh, able to get on the uh, podcast, and we'll be able to talk to you next month. Have a great one. You too. But let's move into Wet Boys. We want to thank Eric for being on the podcast, and we'll be moving in soon to John and Z's topics as well. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the uh, mailbag uh, yet for the uh, NBA draft. Uh, we, we weren't able to do that, that, that this week, uh, but we will have a mock draft next week, and hopefully we'll be able to get that in the week of May. So uh, don't forget to comment uh, next week on our uh, NBA mock stuff. Uh, but let's move into the first week of Wet Boys. For the playoffs, we are going to be talking about the dampest of dudes, the moistest of men, the soggiest of shooters. These are the wet boys for the week. These are guys that absolutely popped off, had historic performances, had crazy stat lines, had uh, in, you know shocking, shocking upsets uh, as well to go along with it. Uh, and weirdly enough, the most shocking, the biggest upset uh, wasn't even mentioned. So uh, I blame you guys for not picking one of the Clippers. What? No. I, I called mine first. Could could care less. I, I like my guy. The Clippers came back historically thir- fantastic performance. The Clippers came back from thirty one points yeah. against your guy. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Your guy choked again. Yeah. Your guy choked three one again. Not really. Yeah, he yeah. did. Quite. Anyways, uh, give us yours, Ricky. Well, before I give mine, the thing I do want to say is don't want to throw shade at you, Sean. Um, but I almost, almost, I was like this close. From uh, Shane McManning it just now and saying, you know what, we got to redo that intro because y- you're not as fired up as you usually are for the soggiest of shooters, the dampest of dudes. More, I-, I need some more energy, and my guy given some energy today. If we were doing this se- segment tomorrow, probably wouldn't be a wet boy because right now during their game three, no game four, he's not playing that well. But game three, he balled out, and that is Derek White of the San Antonio Spurs. Didn't even know. Many people probably were like. Derek White, who? Who's that? Coming into these playoffs, the casual fans. But he balled out, pulling the Spurs to a 2-1 series lead before the Nuggets today. Probably going to bring it back to 2-2. But that's happening now. 
not coming in before this. So Derek White getting the love, wet boy of the week. And I will say, the guy that would be getting the wet boy in that series is Nicole Jokic, who's 9 of 20 from the field. Mm, 1 didn't. of 4 from 3, 8 of 8 but from the didn't. free throw line, 27 points, 12 rebounds, but and 8 assists. And he's, he's closing in. Not even an honorable mention. He's closing in on keeping his uh, his his, his uh, triple-double average uh, for his career playoff game. So I just Schmitt. want to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> shout, out, shout out the best player in that in that series, uh, Nicole Jokic. But is he? Uh, he is the best player in that series. I don't think you would disagree. Was, was with he that. the one who had a legendary comeback uh, on his own back that, that won them a game? No, that that wasn't him. That was Jamal Murray. That was Jamal Murray. I'm just saying when when you have to get carried when you have to get carried by the man who couldn't hit a shot in the first half and then just dumpsters a team in the second <laughs> half. I'm just tossed out there. Just, okay, I got a question. Your guy blew a 31 fucking point lead. Give yourself your fucking bum. It, it's hard to you know keep engaged in a game when you blow teams out in the first half. Like I'll be honest, like. <laughs> It's like, I don't give a shit. That was sort of the mentality. And can you blame Steph Curry? The man is bored. He needs competition. And, like, I once you turn him. it off for the night, like, it's off. Shooting almost 60% from three. Do you, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 8 of 12 in the first game. 5 of 11 in the second game. 4 of 6 in the third oh. game. We're talking unprecedented levels of shooting in the playoffs. This man can't fucking miss. It's incredible. Played 20 minutes. 20 minutes in his last game. 21 points. Just, just. He's he's fire. He's he, the good curry, right? He is in. He's the good curry. <laughs> I will say. I can't help the fact that he's just incredible and he's bored. I will say he does have an, a current offensive rating of a hundred and forty. I hear that's the the high numbers are the good ones, right, guys? You guys can <laughs> can you back me on that? Confirm that point. No, one hundred and forty is pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's that's it's pretty damn insane. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that's. I, I will just say that it's pretty pathetic. They blew a thirty-one point lead to the fucking Clippers again. Um, when he, when you turn it off, you can't turn it back on again. That's kind of pathetic, though, that you blew a thirty-one point lead to the Clippers, and then you just dumpster There's them. There's no the other game. all-star on that team. Yeah, I'm gonna give respect to Lou Will, man. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying someone should have gave that respect to him. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I gave it to Dame Lillard. Uh, Dame Lillard, uh, thirty <laughs> points per game, five assists, four boards, forty-six percent from the field, forty-three percent from three. Um, Mostly, this is just because we disrespected him early in the season. Uh, yeah, none of us had him going to the playoffs, and we finally, uh, finally uh, didn't wise up, and none of us picked him. I think against the Thunder, we all picked against him as well mm-hmm. uh, for the Thunder. Yeah, uh, to move on. And I did not expect them it's to be kind like, of hard we when lost you their third best playoff player. team in what two years before this. Yeah, yeah. It's like they yeah. lost their third best player. You know, we we're like, what about their low post presence? Enos Cantor's going to get roasted, and then they're just like having the best playoff series. So. Uh, that series is incredibly fun. I didn't the rivalry expect with Paul and George to go one of mm-hmm. ten from three in game one. Yeah, no, it's that that series is absolute fire. I yeah. love it. And I, I think you know the thing that I just love for Dame is the fact that he's hitting big shots. He scored twenty five in the third quarter, and that uh, I think in one of those games, I forget whether whether it was the second game or the third game, uh, but he was he's been fantastic. He's just so and, confident from from three, and I mean deep three. He's like mm-hmm. four feet behind the three point line. He's like, oh, you're not like a foot in my face. I'm just gonna <laughs> shoot it in your face. Yeah, and even if he doesn't win the series, the fact that you know. He he's won this many games without it's a redemption arc. Yeah, without Nurkic, uh, it made up for his his last post game season. Or did his, it? his last post game uh, year against the, the Pelicans. Yeah, it did. did. It. I mean, he, he didn't show up for those four games, and now he's showing up for yeah, these no. three games. So if he shows up for another four games, I think his sons are. I mean, he's, he's beating up one of the one of the worst defensive uh, fronts of Russell Westbrook. Coverage, Don't care. If you're still know. doing it. You know, the fact that Steph Curry does have 140 uh, offense rating, that's great. But, you know, he still blew a 31-point lead. Fair enough. So, uh, those are our playoff what boys. Uh, Ricky's going with uh, Derek White. Derek White. Uh, Wow, you already forgot. Very forgettable. Uh, You're going, yeah, very forgettable. Uh, I'm going um, Steph 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 Curry. Curry. And uh, I'm going Dame Lillard. Uh, 
I always get that one. <laughs> uh, first one for right. uh, Derek White, uh, both regular season and postseason. This is multiple uh, for Steph Curry, and I think this is uh, another one for Dame. I think this is probably a second one. I don't think uh, Dame's had too many yep. uh, throughout his career, but uh, it, it has been a fun time watching uh, these guys. So uh, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, Steph Curry, though, moving closer to, uh, I mean, this is a good sign because he's, he's, he's going to move on to the next round. He, he gets a week one wet boy. There's a chance if he gets one every single week, he could be our champ. Yeah. So, man, right, I'm excited. I was just going to look up Damian Lillard and see if he has one. Uh, did not have one in the last regular season. Uh, definitely did not want to have, have one in the playoffs. Oh, he had two uh, in 2017-2018. So this is now his third. Uh, so shout out Damian Lillard. Shout out Derek White. And shout out Steph Curry. I guess we could do Steph's too over here as well uh, before we get to the Johns. Uh, <laughs> I Steph, can tell you with confidence that Derek White has not had a wet Steph ball. Steph had two in all. 2017. Then he had four this year. So that's six. And then he had two in the playoffs. So that's eight. Uh, so still behind James Hart. By a lot. By a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it, though, for Wet Boys. And we have a great segment coming up now with uh, John, our patron. If you do want to become a patron, check out patreon.com slash podcast. Also, shout out to Kyle. Uh, we gave him one last week as well, but let's give mm-hmm. him another one. Uh, we don't have fantasy this week uh, because Kyle won it. So shout out to Kyle. Yep. Uh, he got his prize. Uh, they didn't have the starberries in his size. So we, uh, found, I think he's we happy found, with the Amazon gift card. I was just going to say we found a, a, a better uh, prize for him uh, to make up for it, but yeah. Ricky's just dropping what we gave him. So uh, there you go. Uh, but Shout out to Kyle for uh, winning the league, and uh, hopefully we'll bring that back next year. But let's move now into our Patreon segment, where we're going to welcome in our patron, John. And John, welcome back to the podcast. I think you brought a great topic to the floor for us. You're going to have us make us do uh, player comparisons off of our last mock. So if you haven't seen our last mock, definitely go check that out. And uh, John, you're basing this off of your own mock as well. Um, if you want to go in, we're going to do five compar- player comparisons each off our mock drafts and the fit for that team as well um, and how it will fit with that team. So if you want to jump in with it, you have the man uh, in Zion Williamson. Uh, which player does he remind you of, and, and, and why does he fit for the team you have him drafting? Well, let me hold on. There's there's a lot of comparisons to uh, Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of ca- comparisons to Larry Johnson. I think those are okay. I think that uh, it doesn't really c- include uh, Zion, one of Zion's biggest attributes. His two biggest attributes are weak side defense and open court, fast break. He has, like, guard skills and open court. Uh, Barkley's averaged that. Johnson's averaged that. But uh, I think he has guard skills. But as far as, like, his best attribute is weak side def- defense, especially, like, blocking shots, to me, he reminds me of Kenyon Martin. Hmm. Kenyon Martin was a beast in college for Cincinnati, basically blocking every shot, protecting the rim, and he was quick to cross the lane and block on the weak side. I think that a lot of people miss that as far as Zion's attribute. Um, he's, like, huge, but he's size of, like, Dwan Blair. But uh, I think offensively, I like him develop to, like, uh, kind of like a Boris Diaw, hmm. kind of like a playmaking power forward. I think he has that skill because, you know, when he was, like, in eighth grade, he was a point guard. But he, like, mm-hmm. grew in high school, so came forward. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kenyon Martin as my uh, player comparison. But I hope that he develops. He's going to develop defensively, but I hope that he gets recognized for a good, as good defender he may be. You know, he may not. See, Draymond Green gets recognized as a great defender because he guards centers. Mm-hmm. Zion, Zion may never do that, but they have to recognize his ability on defense and not just the highlight dunks, which are great. 
I love you bringing up Dewan Blair. He was one of my favorite college players <laughs> of all time. Uh, too bad he had zero knees because um, he would have been fun in, in the pros if he was able to last a little, little bit longer. But, yeah, Zion's a tough one to get a, a true pro comp with just because he, he brings so many different uh, aspects to his game, like you, you're mentioning the weak side uh, defense. I mean, his, his ability to just rise above the rim and, and block shots uh, and then also just closing out from you know the opposite block to the other corner. Um, we saw that a couple times. Uh, yeah, the three point in, blocks in were kind of insane. Yeah, I mean he he's he's incredible when it comes to Especially his defensive ability. Hunter for Virginia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think he that blocked was, it like eleven and a half feet. <laughs> I think that was what I was <laughs> talking about. A little excessive. About. Little excessive. Yeah, it was insane. Uh, but his his offensive playmaking is something special. He does have great court vision, and there's plenty of times. I think it was uh, even the first game against Kentucky. Uh, he grabbed a, a defensive board and then threw up a pass to RJ um, from like half court and just threaded a needle and it was it was it was gorgeous. Um, so he does bring a lot to the table. Um, I wasn't able to watch Barkley. So what, what's the biggest reason he's not like Barkley? Because that's I think people want to compare him to a player who would be MVP caliber, but Kenya Martin wasn't MVP caliber. Uh, you know, same with Boris Diaw. So if if he's not Barkley, what what are the reasons he's not Barkley? Barkley was a he's an old school power forward. You know, he has he has feet like roots, you know. They teach you in post up moves you have to be grounded to the ground and you know not moved off the block and push your defender back back under the basket. Zion doesn't need to do that. He has more athleticism. It's not so much that he probably can't do what Barkley does. He just is so athletic he does he's not limited to the old school post moves. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think you know some people are saying that you know back in the day, Charles, before you know he got bigger, especially like Philadelphia, uh, Barkley was was a, you know similar athlete to uh, to Barkley. Again, I don't know these things because mm-hmm. I wasn't watching yeah. basketball back then. Uh, but it, it's something that you know it is tough for me to compare Zion to because you know you you think of the great players and, and power forwards really reigned uh, back in the day. And, and now he is just a, a new breed because he's not really a great shooter at all. So he's not going to be like a, a you know a twenty five point scorer like you know Charles Barkley was because uh, he won't be able to you know add up those points and, and, and get those many shots uh, to to put up those types of numbers. But uh, he he is very intriguing. Um, let's move to the next one, and that's Ricky uh, R.J. Barrett. Well, the thing before R.J. I just want to throw in really quick about Zion is the reason why with the whole Charles thing is. We never expected Charles Barkley to be like, man, he's going to hit from the outside. Like John was saying, traditional uh, power forward <laughs> type. I mean, I, I was there in the Charles days, John. I was you cut a, the back a, little out bit, of the a little bit Born younger. Yeah, but I still watch Charles Barkley. You were three when he won the MVP. Or like yeah, when two. he won the MVP, but I saw he later cut, Charles Barkley. I saw Charles Rockets, Barkley. Charles Barkley. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the best Charles Barkley, but I still saw Charles he Barkley. He top 10 pick. Yeah. But with Zion, I think with me, it's more of like I compare him more of like Blake Griffin, where it's that power forward who has some guard tendencies or has some skills for there. But if he can develop an outside shot, he's going to be deadly. But for me, the R.J. Barrett, the guy that I'm going with, is the main cop that I look after watching their films is he reminds me a lot of Andrew Wiggins, but a better Andrew Wiggins, where it's like, I look at both of them, they can drive, they can shoot. My only worry is when I like was seeing the Andrew Wiggins, I was like, huh, let me see if that's true. And I was like, I don't want it to be Andrew Wiggins because of what we've seen of him in the NBA, but I feel like the mentality that he has for scoring might make him a better version of Wiggins in the NBA. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Wiggins one's definitely interesting because, I mean, they're both Canadian as well. Uh, so that plays into a factor. Um, and, and that obviously doesn't lead to anything actually on the court. Um, but, you know, Duke forwards who mm-hmm. uh, will, uh, Wiggins was Kansas. Uh, but, you know, uh, six, seven forwards who were big scorers in college, uh, both being Canadian as well. Um, I, I think that the biggest thing is just if he does have that motor. And it seems like RJ does have that motor. And I think even you looking at Wiggins in college, it didn't seem like he lacked a motor. Really, it just it just came so natural to him was mm-hmm. the difference. I mean, I don't know if it was the lack of effort, but it his play made him look effortless out there. He was able to get to the hoop so successfully, so easily at times. It was just like, man, this kid has everything. I mean, there's a reason why he was taken so high in that draft. But yeah, his NBA game just he didn't have that next gear to shift into. So I think that mm-hmm. aiming at well, and he wasn't playing next to RJ. Or he wasn't playing next to Zion Williamson. No. Andrew Wiggins wasn't. No, he wasn't. But I mean, that's the thing is, I think RJ's game probably has a better chance of translating because he's like you said, he's already played next to two guys who were at top of their board coming into the class, and then he was able to facilitate. He's able to get rebounds. Um, he could score a couple levels. Like I, I like the comp. I just don't know. Now, are you going to get what you saw out of him in college, or are you going to get what we see out of Andrew Wiggins now, mm-hmm. a very inefficient shooter who is just uh, lacking in an all-around game standpoint? Well, and I think a big thing that Wiggins does is Wiggins relies too much on his, his athleticism where he doesn't have that skills to actually create separation, where I think RJ has shown that time and time again that he does have that ability, at least skill-wise, to create space for himself in the paint. Mm-hmm. And then if he's able to do that uh, on the outside and on the perimeter, um, that's going to lead to, to more success to him. I mean, the biggest thing with Wiggins is just his efficiency. I mean, he puts up numbers. He's just not efficient at all, um, which which truly yeah. kills him. He's like um, least efficient volume score. Yeah, he's he's the. I think he's, there was a video that just said he's the worst shooter in the NBA. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think I think Wiggins definitely makes sense there, especially you know being a, being a high pick. Um, Dave, you got John Morant next though. Yeah, yeah, I went bold with this one. I think I, I've said this one on the show a couple times before. He's he's a bigger, worse shooting version of uh, Allen Iverson. His game is electric, ball in his hands. He can get to the hoop at will. Uh, he's crafty in the air. He's able to pull in multiple defenders, uh, but he's so unselfish uh, on the other hand, where I think that's a part of AI's game where he had moments, but it was it, his prerogative was always to go attack, and he had, an, he had incredible handles, uh, small guard, obviously, but I think John Morant has a lot of the similarities in that area, but he just has a much worse shooting form. And I still believe that like his top end is still incredible as a score, as a driver to the basket. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm landing on AI-ish. Mm-hmm. Well, John, I want to go to you since you are in the Philly area. Um, how do you, at least what do you think of the AI-ish comparison for John Morant? I don't think it's a good comparison. <laughs> One, I think John Morant is more talented than AI. But I think AI makes up and supersedes almost any NBA player over Hart. I think that the, the close-up comparison between R.G. Barrett and Allen Iverson. But as far as uh, Iverson never never really wanted to pass the ball. Yeah. John Morant is, has some point guard instincts, and he has, he has better vision than Allen Iverson. But, you know, they're both athletic. John Morant's a little taller, you know. I hope Ja Morant is as good as Allen Iverson was. Yeah, I don't see Ja ever putting up near 30 uh, in a season like like AI did. Do you feel like he can do that, at least scoring last I mean, day? at this point in the NBA, most guys don't put up 30, unless their name's James Harden. Um, 
I think that he he's a you know twenty to twenty five point game score. I don't think he's going to put up thirty. No, but at the same and time, play point play shooting guard. He can play point guard. He started Eric, off as point point guard. John Morant, he'll play point guard in NBA. Yeah, lead ball handler. Yep. I, I just I I think their play style is similar. It's just he he's unselfish, and I think he and loves. Yeah, wasn't unselfish. What? He shot thirty shots a night. That's not unselfish. Yeah. No, I'm talking about job. Oh, yeah, but AI was selfish. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he plays oh. like AI does, except he's unselfish. He's a worse shooter. Oh, I see. So it depends on his facilitation. Like okay. he draws he draws in the same amount of um attention from, you know, off-ball players, but instead of going for those difficult shots because he doesn't have that uh amazing stroke, he's able to dish out and I think he honestly is looking to pass more. Like a lot of people want to give him that like Rondo vibe of he's more of a a uh, guy who wants to rack up assists rather than scoring, and it's the can he flip the switch and know he has to take over a game at this point. Um, but I think that when you watch him in the air, when you watch him drive to the basket, a lot of uh, a lot of the ways he actually gets up in the air and tries to navigate in the paint reminds me of Allen Iverson. Just he's a little bit bigger than him. All right. I think AI is definitely one that's going to be tough just because, he, you know, when you're comparing them to all-time greats, mm-hmm. it's, it's always tough to actually hit on those. But at least, you know, from a play style-wise, not, you know, c- career-wise, I think AI is definitely an intriguing one. Uh, we're going to move to mine next. It's going to be Darius Garland on Vanderbilt. Um, I'm looking at a couple, and it, it's tough to fully flesh out a comparison for him since he only played, uh, what, three games in college, four mm-hmm. or five games in college. Very, very small. Um, yes, yeah, five games, was it, Dave? Yeah. Um, yeah, he played uh, five games uh, for Vanderbilt this year. Um, he put up 16.2 points per game, uh, 2.6 assists, 3.8 boards, uh, shooting 53.7% from the field, fifty or 47.8% from three, and then 75% from the line. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can go at this. Um, some people are looking at it, you know, he's like Kyrie where, you know, he got injured and he's a scoring guard. He's smaller. He's quicker. He's mm-hmm. got great handles. Um, but I don't think he, he he's that good of a driver. Um, Ky- Kyrie's so fantastic going to the bucket. I don't think he's that type of player. Um, and, and Kyrie's handles are on a next level uh, than Darius Garland. Um, some people want to say Reggie Jackson as well. Um, very similar stat-wise uh, to, to these two players, at least their freshman years. Um, but I'm going to ultimately go with Dame Lillard, but Dame Lillard's peak. Um, you look at Darius Garland's shot and his release time, and it's very similar to Damian Lillard, and that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is Darius, Darius Garland's ability to shoot and his, his the quickness of a shot. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at those two players, Kind of similar builds. Garland's a little bit smaller. Dame's was like Dame's like six three. Uh, Garland's like six two six one. Um, they some people have him listed at six three. He's he's much smaller than that Garland. Yeah. Um, he's smaller than Dame Lillard. But at least when you're looking at the shot, you're looking at the quickness of the shot, and you're looking at the ability to score. I think those really reminisce me of of a, of a young Damian Lillard. Now I don't know if he's ever going to hit that uh, you know peak that Dame has, but maybe in a lesser role and also. Injuries do play a factor into Darius Garland's career. Um, I think with all that taken into uh, account, I think you know if he hits his peak, if he's healthy, and he's got an offense that's fit to him, where he's going to be able to take uh, you know a ton of shots a game, like you know sixteen to seventeen a game, he will be able to put up you know Dame level Dame levels again. That's if everything plays out uh, to his factor. But yeah. I, I really love a shot. He's super quick off the bounce, and, and he can score, uh, and he's got great range too. So I, I like Damian Lillard for a Darius Garland comp. And him next to uh, a Mike Conley or him next to a Jaron Jackson, I, I love the fit. 
uh, for him in Memphis, or I also love to fit him next to Drew him Holiday. Him next to Zach Levine. You like him for the Bulls? I don't see why the Bulls wouldn't put, pick a point guard. I don't. I don't see. I don't see how the Bulls can come out of draft without. We hate one playing three defense. Point that, that's, what, that's what that would be if we. <laughs> I don't him. understand. Like, I think that's the only forward. You have a good young core and yeah. other, you know, four other positions. I don't disagree. He's a reach. He's a reach. Go get him, and they move on. Just like a quarterback in the NFL. Get your player and move on. I think the biggest thing that would be hesitant for me is uh, living in Chicago. I'm not a Bulls fan, but at mm-hmm. least uh, you know. So many. I have to pay attention to the Bulls so much because they're always mm-hmm. in my face. The biggest thing that would worry me for Darius Garland going to the Bulls is his. I think he needs those shots, and I think he'll be taking away shots too often from Markkinen and from Zach Levine. I don't know if it's going to be a fluid offense, and that would be the biggest thing yeah, that but it's, concerns me. You know, they're going to pick somebody. So what's the alternative? <laughs> With me, I would, like a reddish would be better than the Garland as far as Bulls moving forward and trying to win. Going, to I playoffs. would go BPA. Whether you think that's a Culver, whether you think that's a Hunter, whether you think that is a Kobe White. But if you don't so go, you play a Hunter or Culver. Let's say the game. Let's say I go you're behind Otto Porter. Here's the thing, though. If I go with one of those two, the thing I would think of, and this is a guy that I'm going to have a player comp for later, with the 38th pick, I'd probably shoot for Carson Edwards there, and then boom, I've got a backup behind Chris Dunn. And if Dunn is not my answer moving forward after this year, I treat that point. I kind of learn to like I'm going to kick that can down the road and then solve it. I don't know if we bring back D Rose. That's something that Ugh. we've talked about as well. Um, but so we don't need Hunter to take Garland for. You're gonna hope for thirty more picks to get another player. I mean, I don't know. I don't if know. I have to trade up from thirty-eight, I can trade up from thirty-eight. But that's kind of what I look if at. If you think Chris Dunn is salvageable, that's that's mm-hmm. an opinion. I mean, it, it's not a popular one, but it's an opinion. And I think one thing that we have to look at is yes, you're obviously gonna be stacking up on forwards if you take Culver or Hunter. Um, but that's still giving you depth, and a lot of these great teams, I mean, you look at Toronto, you look at Milwaukee, you look at Boston, they're built on depth, and mm-hmm. that's that's what the NBA is going to. So if you have Darius Garland, uh, uh, if you have DeAndre Hunter or Jarrett Culver coming off the bench, who could play your two through four, um, at least not probably not the four for, for Culver, but I think you know Hunter could probably play the four, uh, at least the three and the four for Hunter, and then mm-hmm. the two and the three for Culver. Um if you have that coming off your bench, that provides you so much versatility. You can move Zach Levine to the one at, at points as well. With if you you know if you take a, a guy like DeAndre Hunter, um, it gives you so much size as well. And I think it's just going to make you so much versatile. And I think Chris Dunn can be used for one more season. And even if he doesn't play extremely well and he's not deserving of a huge contract, that does make it easier to bring him back if he does fit with this team. I think he just dealt with a lot of health issues, but when he's out there, he's at least doing what you need the Bulls point guard to do, and that mm-hmm. is facilitate in my mind. I don't think you need a scorer like uh, Darius Garland. I'm not too high on the pick of Kobe White, too. I think he's too much of a scorer as well. Um, I think John Morant would be the perfect one because we talked about it earlier. He's not selfish. He's, he's yeah. very unselfish. And I think you know what I've seen from Garland, what I've seen from Kobe White, um, Kobe White less of, but I look at those two players, and, and I do see the scoring instinct first. And I think John Morant kind of mm-hmm. has that or that showed at Murray State just because he needed to be the guy there, mm-hmm. where Kobe White was on a team with you know Luke May, uh, Cam Johnson, uh, Nasir Little. Um, he was on a, a you know very near senior heavy team, or at least upperclassman team. Uh, and Darius Garland, he was kind of also in that same uh, you know I need to be the guy because uh, Vanderbilt wasn't that great this year. Um, but I, I look at him, I, I think they're too selfish of point guards. Where Chris Dunn isn't selfish, um, he, he's very willing to pass the ball. He's very willing to, to he pass up shoot. shots. 
Go ahead, John. Because he can't shoot. <laughs> That's true, and but and he's not a perfect point guard. But I, I I feel that Darius Garland is too much of a shooter. Well, uh, offense. What what are Chris Dunn's strengths? Offense. I think he is he is at least a smart player. So I think he turns the ball over less, and he gets the ball at least into the hands of a guy like Laurie Markkinen, of a guy like uh, Zach Belvine, and like uh, Otto Porter. And he at least moves the ball and keeps it going. He's not going to at least hurt you. Um, turning the ball over, he's not going to hurt you yeah. trying to force up bad shots. He's yeah. not going to shoot the ball, which, you're not gonna which is going to hurt you there. Chris Dunn plays. Yeah, but you're not going to you're not going to see a guy who who's going to be taking away shots from your best players. He's not going to be taking away shots from Zach Levine, who you're paying four years, seventy eight million dollars. Um, and at least I think that would be the biggest thing for me is you got to work this point guard into the offense, and he can't be the offense. Okay. All right. Um, you're up next, John Brandon Clark. Oh, uh, Brandon Clark. I got Sekou Demboya over Brandon Clark. Oh, you got Sekou Demboya <laughs> over Brandon Clark. We'll give you Sekou then. Sekou, Sekou's worthy of a top five pick. Whoa! You have him but, going uh, to he, the Lakers. He won't go just top to, five this year. Yeah, just to just he's to put, put, an eighteen year old. He's he's from Guinea. Mm-hmm. He uh, moved to France as a kid, and he plays for uh, one of the uh, French basketball leagues. There, he's been a couple years a pro. Uh, he's a six nine and possibly grown to six ten. Big, wide body, long player. Uh, he has a lot of athleticism, very good energy. Uh, he has uh, confidence, his three point shot, not very good of a percentage, mm-hmm. but he's 18, could develop that. He has a good, uh, good skill, good mechanisms for his shooting. Uh, he can turn around and post up. Um, there's not much that he can do. Uh, so, as far as length, well, you know, if if a team pushes him towards the four, a power forward position, I see him being a, a lot like Danielle Marshall. Ah. Danielle played uh, out of Connecticut. He's uh, He was a good uh, three-point shooter, but also, you know, uses length inside. Uh, if he plays more towards the three, I don't know if he's as skilled because this is one of my favorite college players ever was uh, Jamal Mashburn out of Kentucky. Ooh. Uh, I don't know if he has the ball handling that Jamal Mashburn does because Jamal, for me, Jamal Mashburn was a big point guard. But uh, you know, Dumboy has a lot of energy, great confidence. He's young, has tremendous potential. Yeah, are you? I think a lot of people, you know, he came on the radar at the under eighteen uh, tournament game, and it's just there's so many questions about where he will fit in because he hasn't been healthy for the entirety of this year. I think he had a hand injury. Oh, Thumb, yeah. Hey, we're brothers. <laughs> I, <run. laughs> I was like, I, I thought it was thumb, but I want to risk it. But yeah, uh, he had a thumb injury. I know that kind of threw off his playing time and shooting. Um, but you think that because of his potential, he's worthy of like a top five pick in this class, just pure upside? Oh, I don't, I don't see a stretch four that has more potential than he does. He may not have the production, but he has that potential. Okay. All right, John. The one question I will follow up then with with you is just because I I, I see your mock and and the people don't see it right now. Uh, but you have him going to the Lakers, uh, and that's you know outside of your top five. So um, why why do you have him at least outside of your top five? Is it just because of fit? You don't see him fitting with a team uh, that's picking before the Lakers. Why do you have him falling to around ten or eleven? I think it's politics. I think he's a European player. Some of these uh, high lottery uh, teams are they. It's too much risk for them to pick a, a European player that doesn't pan out. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as far as fit, there's not a lot of teams in the top half that will want a uh, power forward. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Zion's there. You're going to take Zion no matter what. But uh, 
just far as fit. And these and these other guys, they they show a little more production, you know. But they're also a little bit older, a little, little bit more playing time under their feet. So right, yeah. Right. Now I'm curious to get your take next time we come around to Brandon Clark on that. Yeah, um, I, I do like the Jamal Mashburn comparison though. Uh, I love Jamal Mashburn when he was uh, when he's with the Hornets. Uh, really fun player to watch and, and kind of before his time too. Uh, in, in those last three seasons when he was with the Hornets, uh, 21 points per game, uh, six boards, five assists for a guy who is you know six uh, eight playing small forward. So uh, kind of the first you know point forward like you were saying. Uh, one of the not the first because obviously you know Magic Johnson was pretty much like a point four. I know he played point guard, but six eight. Um, but at least you know guys that were strictly wings. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. an interesting comparison there for uh what I've for seen, Seiko. What I've seen Sekou do that Jamal did a lot. Mm-hmm. He did like a soft drive to like the elbow and mm-hmm. then turned around and backed his defender down. Mm-hmm. It's just two different like rangy skill sets that not many players can do. Yeah. For sure. And Danielle, That's something that Ben Simmons is doing now against smaller point guards. Yeah, and also Danielle uh, set the uh, NBA record at the time for uh, most threes in a mm-hmm. game with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the thing that yeah, I just ahead. want to throw out there with Seku that, and this is if, in my mind, if he reaches his ceiling or if he reaches like the ideal of what we want him to be at the next level, he could be a player kind of like Giannis, and I know people are going to freak out with that, but let me explain myself. Whereas... He could be a guy that many people are like, hey, could be a top five, but was maybe drafted 11 through 14, maybe 15. And people look back four years later and go, God, how was he drafted so low? How did he make it out of the top five? Like he could be that kind of a player if he is at the top end of what we want from him in the NBA. Mm. Well, and I think that's what it, it, that plays a lot into you, just Euro players in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Kristaps, when people when he was selected, people thought that was too high. Yeah. Um, yeah, like there's ask Nick fans. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and people, Luca was either he's the number one player, is too slow because he's European. Um, and there's a ton of things that just go into this. It's just that you know, I I think that you know, Giannis was too raw. I think um, you know, it, people kind of do look up the potential of them finally getting to an NBA weight mm-hmm. room, them getting into an NBA culture, um, and how quickly they can accept that and how quickly they can grow in that. Uh, definitely uh, going to be interested to see what Seku can do, though, because uh, there have been a couple more highlights that have come out recently, and he's just looked better and better. Um, so he's a guy that he, he might be rising up my board soon. Uh, Ricky, let's go to Cam Reddish. So with Cam Reddish, this is one that are probably going to make people raise their eyebrows, but Cam Reddish supporters, I think, are going to agree with me on this one. And this is if he gets to his ceiling and gets to the absolute top end of what he can be in the NBA I think he could be a Paul George type of player, PG-13, where he's a guy that, like, if you look at his tape before coming to Duke, and even in the games early on at Duke, the good ones that he had, he can hit from the outside, mid-range, can drive into the basket. We all know that he can play defense as well. And kind of looking at the two, I see a little Paul George in that. The only question is, can he be consistent enough at the next level and were the struggles that we saw this year because he was playing next to RJ and Zion and could not flourish? Was it like that plant that got covered up by the big tall trees mm-hmm. and didn't get enough sun to grow? And that's the reason why we saw what we did. Or is it because there are some problems there and he's going to be like the other comps that I've seen where there are some that said like Ben McLemore. And I was like, 
Oh, that's one we're coming out. We were there were people high on Ben McLemore. Ben had a better shot. I'm just saying. But I mean, you look at how he panned out in the league, and it wasn't that great. So with me, I'm hoping more for that ceiling. And PG13 is who I'm going with for Cam. It's lofty. Yeah, I mean it's lofty. I mean, <laughs> again, it's like the body that he, he needs to build into, and I think that Paul George is very smooth. Where um, I don't really see that with Cam Reddish. I don't think he's as, as tightened as, as a prospect as, as we wish. But we're also watching a different Paul George. We're watching a guy who's been mm-hmm. in the league for uh, multiple years. Um, so that's going to be definitely something different. But I'm not huge on Cam Reddish. And one thing that Paul George did do in college was uh, produce, um, and Cam Reddish did. But you were talking about Cam Reddish in high school, so yep. uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how uh, that plays out. Dave, let's move to you for your next one. Sure. Uh, my next player up is Bull Bull. Uh, obviously, again, shortened season, much like Darius Garland, a guy who had insane offensive production to start the year. Obviously, the question was, you know, is this sustainable? Probably not going to be able to sustain shooting, you know, 50-something percent from three for uh, the season. But, look, he has insane size. He has an incredible offensive touch. And I think that, you know, the foot injury set aside – you have to look at him as a unicorn. He's in that category, and that's why it's like you can hope that he he is a you know skinnier version of KP basically because KP uh, much more physically built than he is frame wise. Uh, you know, worst case is you're looking at like an upgraded like an Uber Spencer Hawes. Like, no, seriously, like the worst case scenario for a healthy Bobo would be uh, Spencer Hawes is huge though. He's but he's it's, it's a seven footer who can shoot from the outside at a decent rate. I'm not comparing the frames. I'm saying mm-hmm. from a play style similarity, like they could be used similarly. And I think that Bull Bull just everybody wants to attack his defensive play. Uh, and, and I don't know that it's as bad as, you know, the comment sections or is that people are saying it is when you watch them play at Oregon. Yes, they were using his own defense. Yes, guys got past him, but it's not like he was the worst possible defender. He still went out there and had a couple blocks a game. Um, I think that he has a lot to learn. He has mm-hmm. a lot to grow into, and I think time will definitely uh, improve his game. It just turns into, as he builds up muscle, as he builds up uh, confidence in himself and his body, he, he's just incredibly dangerous. And I think that people want to overlook him because of that one foot injury. And I'm like, look at his career up to this point. He's been healthy. He's been playing basketball since he was like four. You just have to be concerned with the fact that, yes, he's seven feet tall, but guys come back from foot injuries, even bigger guys. It's okay. Yeah, John, I want to go to you on this because you do. I'm, I'm looking at your mock draft. You have him going six, Bubble, uh, to the Wizards. Um, do you agree with uh, Dave's comparison of a of a, a thinner uh, KP or a, you know a guy who could be used like Spencer Hawes? Um, do you see that type of player, or do you see something more? Uh, what do you see, Bubble? No, I think it's good. I think you know players like Bubble and Zion. They're like one-off players, so they're hard to compare to. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the I like the comparison. Uh, Spencer Hawes had a little more defensive IQ, but I think with Bobo, a lot of people they they just don't trust. You know, they don't they lack I don't know hope. Bobo, you know, he may be a Galskis, he may be a Greg Odin, Odin, and you know have a Sam Bowie have a short mm-hmm. career because of injuries. But outside of that, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You're seven three, you shoot like a two guard. You block shots, mm-hmm. but you have the width of a man who's like five foot five. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's the player who he is. You allow him to be who he is. He's going to be, a, you know, he's going to be a center. He's going, to, he's going to draw attention to the three point line, which is going to take the defending center outside, which you know will leave some open bat, open driving lanes, which is great. I think that you know, I think there's a chance that a team that who needs a center. I have him going to the Wizards just because look at the Wizards. 
Yes. Opening night, they had talent, but they just didn't have any cohesiveness, any chemistry. They had John Wall, which is a bad apple to say the least. I don't want to <laughs> get on John, hating on John yeah. Wall. But for me, the Wizards need something. They need something exotic. You know, they have a lot of standard players. They have like a bowl bowl to mix in with uh, Thomas Bryant. I think that uh, they can move forward with that. I'm on the same exact page as you. I think that he is a game. He, he's a potential game changer because it, it's you build an identity around a player. With a lot of these great teams, you look at the Bucks. You built around Giannis. Like that's he's a special player. He he has the up end, upper end talent, and I don't know that Bull Bull will have that. But at the same time, the fact that he has the potential that puts him in that range on its own means he should be picked in that area. Well, and John, I want to ask you, too, because you are a, a viewer. Um, did Dave talk you into Bobo, or did oh. you have this thought um, independent of Dave's uh, mentioning of Bobo to the Wizards? No, just watching watching the worries and, and okay. look what Steph Curry does to, to defenses. Um, just He just gives open looks to other players. Instead of a guard being at the key, now you have a, the center at the key. Mm-hmm. The only thing, I, the only thing that I want to add to what you said, Sean, is like it's easy to to build around a player who's like a, a ball dominant player mm-hmm. or a defender, like a center. But like Bull Bull, for me, he's like an add on piece because he won't have the ball in the hand, his hands a lot. They're going to have to kick out to him and just you know make shots, and uh, he'll just have to develop as a, as a defender. But no, Dave, Dave didn't sell him. His his three his the the release of his three point shot sold me. Give me, give me some credit, John. I, I laid out <laughs> I laid out a great argument. Uh, what was that about two months no, ago? You have to look at my old my old mocks. I, I've always had Bobo pretty high. All right, all right. Fair so enough. you stole from John. That's what he's saying. Ah, oh. uh, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say though is uh, Bobo definitely doesn't shoot like a two guard. Yes, percentage wise he doesn't, but I don't know any two guards that can just put the ball over his head and, and make sure. The ball. Yeah, make sure that it's not going <laughs> to get blocked. Uh, but yeah, I mean his percentages are crazy, and offensively, again, his potential's there. I'm just worried about. Uh, him playing defense and his his ability to be healthy. Yeah, that's and, why you make him an exotic player. You know, you have Thomas Bryant, let play him twenty minutes and Bobo sixteen minutes. You don't want you mm-hmm. want if you're if you're building your team and Bobo, you're expecting thirty minutes out of Bobo. Year one, that's not a good yeah, long term no. plan. Not I agree with you. Well, I think like, you look at how well Joel Embiid built up, and I know he had the injuries year after year mm-hmm. that kind of kept him off the court. But you look at how physically, and I know they're not going to be anywhere close physically, but. The difference, the change over a couple of years will take. I think you have to look towards the same thing with Bull Bull. That he will have time to develop his game and develop his body. You don't know what. You don't they, think they he's add, going to put on any weight or muscle in the next three years? Like, that's all I'm saying. I think that people are so worried about his slender frame that they're discounting the fact that he's still 19. Like, he's, right. guys don't stop growing at 19. He can develop that strength. He can develop uh, and get more comfortable with I, his body. Again, I will keep bringing this up, though. His his dad was also very thin. Yes, and and where you typically have similar body builds to to the people you come from. So I, I think that's something that we can look at. And yes, typically people grow when they're nineteen and they get bigger. But I think there might be something there that might limit his growing. Uh-huh. But to throw out there, and this is something that we saw last year with Mo Bamba, where he even talked about coming out, where the dietitians and the everything that goes into the body now yep. is vastly different than when Manute Ball was playing. Yeah. For sure. I'm not saying that, but also like... We're like, you can do things now to take better care of your body so that maybe those Sean, you think he's just going to be like, by the time he's 25, still running around with string beans for arms and legs? He might be. Um, 
Yeah, it's no guarantee. Look at no. Marlon's Noel. Mm-hmm. Marlon's been in the league five years. He didn't. He didn't gain but what five pounds. He gained a lot of muscle. Yeah, he did like, muscle up. Know? But uh, you know. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I, the one thing too is just like they used to like try to feed Bobo or Manute a ton, and he just would would not grow out. Um, so maybe they have better ideas of how to attack that that yeah. those, those you know bodies like this and, and make sure he, he builds up. Um, but like Bobo, Bobo's dad just could not lift weights. Like he was just he was just right. you know he didn't have that body type to gain muscle. Nobody so. was really lifting weights too much back in the day. They were trying to make him because he was that no, small. No, I'm just saying, like, um, as an NBA, we've progressed also, to the point where we have super athletes. Sylvester Stallone, that dude was yoked. Of course that guy I mean, was in w- w- the weight room. <laughs> I mean, NBA-wise. Um, you didn't see yoked out guys on HGH like you do now. Larry Johnson! You'd... Okay, so we got one out of like 600. That. He was born That's like a... that. <laughs> Bobo was also no, the born one like guy that. who did blow up, his name is Kevin. Kevin Johnson? He was a power forward, seven-foot power forwarder for the Hawks. Oh, his last name. And um, these massive biceps. Uh, Sean's what, digging. What he's year? digging. Do you remember? Oh, of course the 90s. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's, that's your wheelhouse. <laughs> I'll just look up 1995 Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Kevin. Uh, Ken Norman? No, no. Oh, no, that's the, that's the, that's the boxer. Uh, I'm not, I'm probably not gonna be any help here. Uh, we'll keep looking. I'll get it. I'll get you. Oh, later. Kevin Willis. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Kevin Willis yeah. was was yoked. He played for the Raptors. Um, yeah. I didn't know he played for the Hawks though. Uh, let's move on though, because uh, this kind of ties into the Wizards yeah. thing. Um, something you said, John, was that uh, the the Wizards have uh, very uh, like kind of uh, what's it called? They're uh, a spread talent. The, t- the talent is spread across the position. Yeah, and they they have kind of uh, normal players. Like they have typical yeah. players. They have um, guys that are just kind of you know standard players. Um, I'm moving to PJ Washington, and the guy I'm comparing to is one of those standard players on the Wizards. Is Jeff Green? Um, <laughs> I, I look at him. He's six eight forward um, guy that can shoot from the outside. Guy that can shoot from mid range. Uh, a guy that can score uh, when he has the ball in his hands. Um, pretty decent passer. Um, a decent defender. Um, and I just look at him in PJ Washington. You know, this last year he was never consistently scoring. You know, he would have eight points, three points, then twenty-five, nineteen, nineteen, and then six, eight, nine, and then twenty-nine, and then nine, eleven, and then five, and then five, fifteen, and then nine and three, and then go on a run of double-digit points, and then go back all the way down to nine, and then nine through ten, and then go all the way back up to twenty-six. Where Jeff Green was the same thing this year: uh, seventeen points, then two, then twelve. I mean, a, a run of double-digit points, then four, then two, then eight, then eight, then six, then seven, and then 20, and then 13. So the inconsistency yeah. and then also just their body frames and body types. Um, I see a lot of Jeff Green in there because he's not majorly athletic, but Jeff Green's not majorly athletic, but he has times and, and, and spots where he does look super athletic out there. Um, and there's times where Jeff Green looks like LeBron James. You, you know, they were playing on the Cavs together, and there's times where it's just like, well, like they kind of blend together. They look very similar. Um, but ultimately, when you see them actually play, there's differences. So I think P.J. Washington, he's kind of one of those guys that look like he might be much better than. You see him in an NBA jersey, you see him play, you see him shoot, and you see, feel like he might be better than what you see. Um, but I think ultimately he's just going to be a guy that's you know a, a good starter to a very good bench player, uh, kind of like Jeff Green. You know, Jeff Green hasn't been able to stay fully healthy, which kind of limited his ceiling, but I think that they're very similar players, similar size, uh, and similar play types. And I think that looking at my mock draft, I think P.J. Washington would be fantastic um, on the Hornets. I think they kind of need that Jeff Green type because, yes, they drafted Miles Bridges, but Miles Bridges, um, I feel like he's kind of a boomer bust guy. I don't think really mm-hmm. he's going to be a, a smooth, consistent player. Um, I think he's going to be more of a guy that's you know going to either explode on the scene or just kind of 
with or out, kind of like uh, Malik Monk. Um, and I think that Jeff, not Green, up on him Jeff Green could be a guy that's just very consistent. Um, and I, I think that's why, or Jeff, uh, PJ Washington can be a guy like that's very consistent, uh, just like Jeff Green. So uh, that's going to be my comp there is uh, Jeff Green uh, for PJ Washington. John, any thoughts on that one? I think that uh, Jeff Green has more ball handling skills. Like, like you mm-hmm. compare on LeBron. LeBron's a playmaker. I don't think that PJ Washington has much of a playmaking potential. He hasn't shown it, and I, th- I don't think he has the skill set to put the ball on the floor like Jeff Green does. The comp that I have for uh, PJ Washington is Thaddeus Young. Mm. I I can see Thad in ways just because you're right. He he doesn't have that. Um, at least facilitating side or that 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 playmaking side, um, but I, there are times that like from the wing, PJ can drive and attack, and I think that you know that, that that's shown in Thad Young's game. Um, I'm just talking in college. A lot of players can straight line drive, but Jeff Green has the ability to cross over and go, you know, the other, you know, have to change directions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't be argumentative, but no, everyone has their differences. It's 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 better when people are argumentative. It's it's boring when we just agree. <laughs> yeah. Um. And 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 I th- I think that you you're making fair points. I think I think Thad Young could be a good comparison too. Um. And and I don't. I also think that PJ Washington has shown the ability to uh, grow. I mean, this wasn't. This is a completely different player than we saw in his, his freshman year. And I think there are, are a lot of pieces there that can show that he has the ability to grow into a different player. Um. And a big thing too is that they were trying to play very much through their guards. Uh, Kentucky this year, and, and I don't think he had the ability to really have the ball in his hands and attack. Now, if he goes to the Hornets, he probably also won't have that ability as well with Kemba mm-hmm. Walker. Um, but if he does put in the effort and does put in the time, I, do, I feel like he does have a really good feel for the game. He is really smooth, so I wouldn't be shocked if he was able to add more to his game, at least offensively, and, and adding more uh, skills to score. But I think Thad Young and, and Jeff Green, uh, a blend of those two, could definitely be uh, an interesting comparison for uh, P.J. Washington and end up being what he can be. Uh, in the NBA. But we'll move to your next one in Brandon Clark. Uh, Brandon Clark. He's one of my shorties. There are a lot of, there are a lot of players that I think they're going to fall in people's fall in the draft. You compare to people's mocks. I don't, I love Brandon Clark. He has great energy. He's, he's, he's one of the favorite players to watch because he has aggression, not just like, he doesn't want to like fight you, but he wants to win. He's going to bring whatever he can bring to the game to beat you. Just look at when uh, Gonzaga played Duke and what he did to Zion. But uh, my comparison for uh, Brandon Clark is Jeremy Grant. Hmm. You know, one of those tweeners, you know, I think Brandon Clark is under 6'8". Jeremy Grant's 6'8". I think uh, Brandon Clark can't really put the ball on the floor. Jeremy Jeremy Grant can't really put the ball on the floor. Jeremy Grant right now is playing like an undersized power forward for the Thunder. Yeah. He doesn't have much of an outside shot like Brandon Clark, but they're both tremendous shot blockers. They have great feet on great feet on defense. They can move. They're pretty instinctual on defense. Get to the right place at the right time. But uh, you know, that's my comparison, Jeremy Grant. The one thing that kind of interests me with your thing is not really the the comparison because I think it's a good comp, um, or at least an interesting comp. I think Jeremy Grant obviously added a shot to his game this year. So that might, you know, put push back people on that Jeremy Grant comparison. But, you know, before this season, Jeremy Grant was not a, a good three-point shooter at all. Yeah, um, you would hope that Brandon Clark does the same thing. No, I, I agree with that for sure. And I think I think he does have a, a decent shot mechanics, uh, Brandon Clark. I just don't think he's taken too many reps out there uh, to be a dangerous three-point shooter yet. So I think the, the, the base is there to become a, a good three-point shooter. But the thing that uh, grabbed my interest uh, in yours was the fact that you have Brandon Clark going to the Pistons. Why do you think he's a good fit for Detroit? 
Uh, I think as far as talent, he's a very efficient player. That's that's one thing that uh, that I think a lot of people under, underestimate is the, the the importance of efficiency. Even though you have a player out there who might score 16 points, he's taken seven shots. That's 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 great production. Mm-hmm. It's great production. And I think that uh, Brandon Clark know he's he knows when not to shoot. He knows when to shoot. That's, that's very underrated. I think that uh, you know the Pistons that had Stanley Johnson, they lost that when after a trade. And uh, you know Brandon Clark fulfills a wing position. I think they can benefit from a wing defender. They drafted a couple of guards in the second round last year. I think you know there's room for them to develop. You know you all obviously you have Blake Griffin. You have a decent um, rebounding center. I just think that uh, from the wing position they need some help. Yeah, I, I agree. I, just, I find it interesting just because when I, th- I look at the, the the Pistons, I feel like they need spacing. So uh, Brandon Clark, who, who needs to develop on the spacing, is definitely an interesting pick. Uh, a, a pick there, um, but I, I think something that he can, he can definitely work on is the spacing. Oh, you're right. They need spacing. My hope was that the uh, guards developed that. The, mm-hmm. You know, they had that uh, kid from Duke Miami years ago, Luke Kennard. Yeah, Luke Kennard, yeah. and then they have uh, so, Bruce uh, Bruce Brown. I think it is. From, yeah, Brown's uh, been starting for him from Miami. A uh, complimentary role, basically. It's, yeah, it's, it's, we needed and they have another uh, guard from a small school. Um, oh, they took him in the second round. Or Creighton guy. Oh, no, Thomas, undrafted. Um, yeah, something Thomas. Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was I one think, of Ricky's I thought favorites. He was a pretty good player mm-hmm. coming out last year. Yeah, Ricky loved Kyrie Thomas. I think a little bit too much. Um, Ricky, go, <laughs> speaking of you, let's move to you. one of guys. Your guys, you, you love as well. Yeah, Hachimura. Well, and with Rui, this is going to be one that maybe people kind of raise an eyebrow because of what type of a player he developed into, but. I'm going to compare him to a raw mellow. And the reason why I say that is Carmelo coming out of that Syracuse team was a top pick in that draft and rightfully so. But with Rui Hachimura, I feel like there's tons of questions with him because of the team that he played on. And it's like Gonzaga with that Brandon Clark also is they had so many older players and Mark Few knew exactly what he wanted from that team to where Rui never had the opportunity to me to kind of get out of that Gonzaga shell, kind of like how a Zion and RJ broke out with Duke, how a Ja was able to shine in Murray State because he was the guy at Murray State. But with Rui, he's a guy that even if you look at his, and I know it's reaching back about five years ago where he was on the under-17 FIBA, for Japan, mm-hmm. he shows a lot of shooting, driving, defense. And to me, the only question with him is his three-point shooting. Because, yes, if you look at the percentage this year, he shot 41% from beyond the arc, but he was only averaging one three per game mm-hmm. overall this season. And when I look at Mello early on, that rookie year with Denver – he shot 32% from three, but then after that, he dropped to like 26, 24, and 26 and really didn't add that three-point to his game until those Nick game, Nick days later in his career. So with Rui, I look at it more of like a raw mellow for what we maybe saw in New York. Of can be a guy that develops on a team, and if he develops that three-point shot, 
He's going to be something special. And I know you make that face, Sean, because you just don't like Rui. You hate not <laughs> no, Rui. That's, I think it's a bad... I mean, the biggest thing that I loved about Carmelo Anthony was I don't think he was afraid, and he knew what he was doing offensively. Mm-hmm. He was a very smart player. He knew that's where... That's what I'm saying. Where, raw. He's a raw mellow. He's no, not but exactly Mello, what Mello you're going to had the... the like you're talking raw physically and talent. I think raw. I don't in think general, he has I think the, raw everything. I don't think he has the mentality, and I don't think that's something you could build up. Carmelo had a, mm. a fantastic mentality, and that showed in his college days. I mean, he was a freshman leading his team all the way to the national championship, mm-hmm, yeah. and he had that mentality of he knew where to could be on the floor to score. He knew how to score from that position all the way back in college. Yes, he wasn't doing it efficiently, but he had that ability to get to a spot, post up his guy, and score, or get into the lane and, and draw a foul and score. Rui, there are a lot of times, especially late in games, where he just doesn't know how to score, and he fires up bad shots. He rushes shots too often, and, that and, he, I think and he doesn't with, know how to get the shots and off. With and with the right like, coach, I think you can fix that. I don't think so. I think that's personally, I think that's mentality, and I don't think you can really fix mentality unless you're doing it consistently out there. And any bad shot or any bad game can immediately screw up his mentality, where I don't think Carmelo had that. I think Carmelo had that mentality of, he knew how to score, and if he didn't score well, it just didn't go in. I'm just going to mm-hmm. do it again. I think Hachimura does get kind of shriveled up. He kind of does get scared. I don't think Melo had that. See, I think that's just something of a coach, and I'm not trying to bash Mark stuff. Few with this, but I think that's with the right coach in the NBA, giving him some confidence can really help him out. I disagree because Hachimura was a three-year player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, if you're the guy, you should be able to have that mentality, and I think that's just something you have or you don't. I mean, you, you have that ability to step up to the plate or don't. I don't think Hachimura has that. That's just me personally, though. Um, I, I, I think that if we're going to look, I think Giannis might be a, a better comparison, or a, a raw Giannis uh, might be a better comparison Which, than a than Like, a raw than he was when he came to the <laughs> NBA? Because that was, like, questionable already. <laughs> a budget. A watered-down Giannis. Okay. Um, let's move to your next one, though, Dave. Uh, Tyler Harrow. Yeah, so I'm going with Tyler Harrow. Uh, I love this kid shooting. He is one of the best pure shooters in this draft. Uh, offensively gifted player. Defensively, he can hold his own. I think a lot of it is going to be questionable as he needs to put on some some additional size at the NBA level to keep up with guys. But I look at him and I see exactly what a lot of people want to easy comp it to, which is like you want to give it to like the Luke Kennards. You want to give it to guys like last year with Landry Shamit. Um, mm-hmm. He's longer than Shamit, which is good for him. Uh, defensively, I think he's a bit better than him, but he's such an incredible shooter that I just look at that talent. And I'm like, I, it's the most valuable thing. It's one of the most valuable things in the NBA, which has skyrocketed his, uh, draft stock late in the season because he was able to show up for the last month of the year. He was so productive really as Kelvin Johnson fell, Tyler Hero absolutely skyrocketed his own stock. So I look at him as yet again, somebody who can come in, develop the rest of his game but you can always count on that shooting. He's going to be a productive player day one off the bench. Who do you who are you comparing to? I, I am I'm stick with the lazy comps. I'm going somewhere between Shamit and uh, Luke Kennard, who gotcha. as of late I'm just I'm just saying I called that called <laughs> Luke Kennard's uh, epic rise oh, okay. as of late. I called Shamit, so there we go. But you're right. Um, yeah. But I, I think each other on the back. I think uh, Hero is definitely going to be a guy that I, I think. Shamit has more ability to create for himself. I think he that's definitely. one thing that, that he does have. And I think Kennard's adding that as well. Um, so I think that's one thing that Harrell would need to add is, is think, the ability to create. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty good, though, already. like He's not J.J. Redick bad mm-hmm. at creating for himself. J.J. Redick's the, one of the most elite three-point shooters in the game. It's always off a screen. You know it's always off motion for him. And he's absolutely barn on one of the best. <laughs> but Tyler Hero, I think he has the ability to create. I think he has a little bit of that. When you talk shooting splits, he's doing stuff as a freshman that barely a handful of people have done. If you want to talk about 
his splits. I mean, he was putting up 46% from the field, 35 from three, and 93 from the line. Yeah. He's, he's in the elite company. Well, and John, I want to bring you in here real quick just because you have him going to the Celtics above your last guy in Brandon Clark. Um, what do you see in Hero, at least for the Celtics? I agree with what uh, Dave's been saying. Uh, the comp that I have is Devin Booker. Prospect and rookie Devin Booker. Yeah, I didn't want to give him that because just saying that name out loud <laughs> makes people get mad at me. <laughs> so thank you, John. He's still a young player. What I, what I don't like is people, for me, I think is limited when I try to compare players to Hall of Fame players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that if you want to give people an idea who these guys are, you have to, you have to show them a player that has potential and not production. So mm-hmm. you give them a young player who has a similar type of skill set. I think Booker and 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 uh, Harrell had the same amount of skill set. And just to go back earlier, for like for me, we compare when I compare things, I I go skill set. So I don't really the Hachimera and 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 Anthony comparison I don't get because Anthony is one of those players who can put the ball in front of him while the defender is guarding him. So he can go left, he can go right, he can pull up, or he can turn around and and protect the ball with his body. Hachimera I don't think has that ability. He keeps the ball. He keeps his body in between the ball and the defender, and 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 he plays offense much differently because of that. He's sort of like a straight line dribbler, and then like has a, like a turnaround jump shot, yeah. like like a half turn jump shot. They both have excellent mid range games, but I think that as far as mentality, yeah, Carmelo is just he's he's always been the best player in the in the gym since he went. Until he came to the NBA, and he has that mentality, he still can make every shot he shoots. I don't think Hachimura has that natural confidence in his shooting ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you with the Melo thing too. I I I, I think that again, Hachimura is an interesting player, so it's tough to find a, mm-hmm. a, a nail down one. But I think I think Hero, uh, we've seen that kind of player before. I think he's he's definitely gonna be a guy that can translate to the NBA. It's just really can he hit the ceiling of a Devin Booker, or would he yeah. be more like a just a role player? If um, you remember, yeah, a role player who has great efficiency, it's, it's, you know, exactly. those yeah. guys play a long time. I mean, you could say like they're, Steve they're very valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you said Steve Kerr asking. He had such a very long career. Yeah. And, and, and One so of the best role players in the NBA. It, so look at J.J. Redick. Like, he's getting, like, oh, pounded yeah. on the last couple of years for his, <laughs> you know, as far as defense. But, but I mean, like, 20 mil a year, who's going to argue? Shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move into my next one. Uh, this guy, uh, John, I kind of wish you, you were here a little bit earlier just so uh, I, I, I compared him to a young player to give him the skill set. I thought that was great advice. You know, give him a, a young player uh, so you could see the skill set. Um, I went the opposite. I went with L. Harrington, but L. Harrington from the CBA and the Big Three. For Nas um, For Nas Reed. Um, I think you look at Al Harrington. Al, Al Harrington in the CBA had a lot of off-ball movement, a lot of cutting to the basket. And he showed a lot of ability to pass to uh, open players. And Nasrid, in very limited times, has shown the ability to show really good passing. He's not a really good ball handler. He's not a really good driver, even a straight-line driver. Um, he's not good at attacking the basketball, dribbling it, uh, and, and attacking. But when he does lose the ball, he's still able to gather himself, find an open guy, and make a really nice pass, a, a clean, crisp pass to his, his defender. And offensively, he's a guy that can post up, like Al Harrington's doing mm-hmm. right now in the big three, throwing up crazy shots, scoring buckets. Um, and also, Al Harrington back in CB, uh, CBA days, uh, the Chinese Basketball Association, he was shooting threes. And Nas Reed can shoot. He can stroke it. So... I'm going Nas Reed, Al Harrington, some CBA and, and big three stuff. He's a little bit more athletic than uh, than Al Harrington was back in those days and right now. But uh, 
Uh, I'm going to go with Al Harrington, uh, at least from the China Basketball Association and the big three days. Uh, big into Nazareth, though. Um, I, I, John, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of upset that uh, I don't see Nazareth. Uh, oh, I do see Nazareth to the Thunder. The Thunder, he's there. there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's there. It's no, a great, I'm, it's I'm a great fit, right? Well, I'm not as, nobody as high as you on Nazareth. Yeah, that's, but, that's uh, right. I, I know. I I'm giving him the, the Hall talent. of Fame comparison of Al, Al Harrington of the Chinese basketball No, I think it's a good comparison. I think that <laughs> yes. what, you Naz, what, I, what I identify in Al Harrington and Nazareth is Al Harrington always has superior talent. Yes. He didn't produce an NBA. And Naz Reed, he's he's a he's, he's a freshman, but you can imagine imagine him three more years playing for LSU, what he would do to the to the SEC in basketball. I'd be scared, John. Yes, he'd be knocking players into the, to the stands. <laughs> he just looks like that player. Like if he really gets it and turns around, knows what he wants to do, he can explode, just explode to the basket. So for me, I give him a Rasheed Wallace. Ooh, okay. I, like uh, I think that uh, no, I think that you, the the, the skill set you point out, the Nas, you think what you think that Nas Reed has, I think is on point. I yeah, think. I, I think the only thing that separates him and 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 Sheed is just the fact that Sheed was ready to kill somebody, and Nas Reed doesn't have that. Uh, but at least <laughs> skill set wise, yes. True, um, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing that's holding back Nas Reed is, is his motor. Um, well, Sheed couldn't help himself; he came from uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, but and we're gonna change things up now just for the last two. Um, just combine them. So, uh, John, why don't you give us your last two and Grant Williams and Darius Baisley? Uh, just really quick. Uh, I'm watching. The, I just watched the Sixers Nets game. Yeah. You know, for all your listeners, Sixers won. <sighs> yep. But uh, Jared Dudley was jumping off the screen to me for for Grant Williams. Oh, you know, I think we when we talked earlier, I think the last month I had uh, Clarence Weatherspoon from the old old Sixers player. You really Grant did, Williams. yeah. But uh, <laughs> Jared Dudley, I see a lot of commonalities. But you know, Jared Dudley today, I think he thinks he's a, a, a protectorant. Grant Williams is not that type of leader. Mm. Grant Williams is a positive leader, a lot like uh, Ray Lewis was for the. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's a short guy, shorty. I think he's six four and a half, six five ish. So he may slide in the. Uh... No, Grant's six seven. Uh, Schofield. No, like no, six, he's five. listed at six seven. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, what everybody seems to think right. he's about six five. Okay. So we'll see. That one. That one's going to be the opposite of Jared Culver. Yes, everybody okay. wants Jared Culver yes. to be bigger. Everyone Culver's knows that Williams is smaller. He's like, he's like the Kevin Durant. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Like but uh, and uh, the other player, real quickly, uh, McDaniel's. I have uh, Rudy Gay as his comp. Hmm. You know, a guy who has decent mid-range game, not much of a three-pointer. He has really good feet. He can be a help defender. Um, that's what I got. Yeah, and yeah. no, I will say, uh, uh, Jalen uh, McDaniel's uh, different than his uh, his brother Jaden oh, McDaniel's, yeah. uh, a guy that we haven't talked too much about in the in the mock drafts. Uh, so Jalen McDaniel's out of San Diego State. Uh, university, yeah. a guy that's uh, in my late second round. There, there is talk that he might go back to college, so we'll definitely have to see uh, what happens there. But if he comes out, he's definitely an interesting player in that second round. Yeah, I think he's going to be a solid role player for some teams. Come off the bench, can provide some offense. Mm-hmm. You know, can find his place on defense. I think that he's going to have a decent career in the NBA. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Ricky, yeah, he's a shooter. I mean, six ten shooter yeah. has potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the NBA today. I mean, that's what you're, you're looking yeah. for. I mean, that's the reason why you like Bull Bull. It's just because. Guys who are that big can stretch out the floor like that. Absolutely. Um, really and he's take... a volume shooter. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. There's other players who can shoot, but like, give it the ball, ball. He's like Carmelo Anthony. He's going to shoot it. He's going to chuck it up there. He's definitely don't don't expect the ball back. 
<laughs> Ricky, let's get your last two in uh, Nasir Little and Carson Edwards. So my last two, first I'm going to start off with Carson Edwards. I think he's going to be a better Lou Williams. And the reason why I say that is, huh. you're, no, 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 you're thinking of Lou Will right now. Yeah. I think that maybe the last two years, think back three years ago. That's Houston the, Rockets Lou Will? Yeah, that's the Lou that's Will we're going to see. Carson Edwards be sooner rather than later because Lou Will had a career that was not so hot to start. And then realistically, like the last few years, we're seeing what Lou Will could be. Mm -hmm. I think Carson Edwards hits that potential sooner and is exactly what Lou Will is to a team. Second round pick, scoring off the bench, develops into a solid six-man for an NBA team. And then the Sear Little... I look at it and it's just he's a worse Jalen Brown to me. And the reason why I say that is they both have similar skill sets to getting mm -hmm. to the basket. Um, Nasir Little, the defensive side, is a strong point for him. But it's just they were both guys that were inconsistent and also uh, both guys that we were all very negative on coming out into the draft. So uh, Nasir Little probably prove us wrong like Jalen Brown did. Yeah, I think the one thing that we did uh, take back a little bit, too, was uh, the biggest thing uh, that we overlooked, at least, was uh, Jalen Brown's determination. He, and he's also a very, very smart player. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The rumors coming out that he was taking master's classes when he was a freshman at Cal. Um, that's something that we really didn't talk about and too Cal's much. Cal's no joke. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, he, he was he was a very smart player. And there was Nasir Little went to UNC where they uh, they said they, they sent the basketball class. players the easiest classes possible. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to go to yeah, yeah, they don't have to go. They, they they let other students do that for them. So that's the one thing that that might be a little bit of a take back there yeah. for uh, why Naz Nasir Little might not hit there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just because he doesn't have that determination that uh, that Jalen Brown is. But hey, what are we talking about? We don't know these guys yet. So maybe uh, mm -hmm. maybe Nasir Little hits the league and he, he flips the switch. Um, so so it'd be interesting to see. But Nasir Little, at least body wise, definitely I, I could see the comparison to Jalen Brown. Now, Dave, give us your last two: Kevin Porter Jr. and TH two. Sure. So I'm going to start with THT because I think he's a fun prospect because he's just a weird size combination. Great wingspan to him. I, I liken him to a PJ Tucker. Uh, it, it's the little, he, he's smaller in height, but he can absolutely go up against larger guys. Defensively, I think there's a lot of room for THT to grow. Offensively, his game needs polish, but you look at his form, you look at what he can do, what he can bring to the table. And I think he can have a career similar to a P.J. Tucker. Mm -hmm. Very valuable because P.J. Tucker's got the basketball IQ at this point in his career, but coming early in his career, it was very much on his body. And then with Kevin Porter Jr., I actually, I, I hate doing this, but I agree with Kevin O'Connor in the RJ, or in the JR comparison. Because it's like, oh, yeah. this guy actually has it just incredible, like, I wanted to be like, sh he's going to be a shitty version of James Harden, James Harden but at the same time, like, that's sort of J.R. Smith. Like, <laughs> he can do some incredible things with his offensive game. He, If you watch his highlight reel, you're like, this guy's a top five pick. If you watch the whole game, you're like, there's a reason this guy's not a top ten yeah. pick. Do we know his favorite kind of soup, though? Uh, we don't yet. Okay. Uh, we do know that he has had some issues with his teammates. We've had some issues with his coach. Uh, so the soup thing might not be far away. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I love him from a top end potential, but he just... He's got red flags everywhere. Yeah, and uh, I think one thing that uh, kind of intrigues me, at least uh, with you, John, uh, is uh, seeing, um, uh, what's it called, Taylor Horton Tucker to the Bulls. Why do you like him to the Bulls? Is it just because he's a Chicago kid? Talent, yeah, talent. Yeah. I think that uh, he's he's top 30. For me, he's a 30, 35 player. Uh, I don't know about the P.J. Duck comp Tucker comparison. P.J. is kind of like rock solid. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Morton Tucker is a pudgy guy. He, he gets uh, PJ plays, <laughs> so he, he played, played a lot of power down. forward early in his career. Mm-hmm. And I think Pete, I think Horton Tucker is going to play a uh, two guard. You think he's going to play but, two uh, guard at 240? 250 range? I don't, I, I don't think he'll be 240 next that's, year. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, the way I, I, I see You were talking him, about earlier with, you know, nutrition and with all these guys through their bodies. He's not I think dropping it's easier for Horton Tucker to lose weight than Bobo <laughs> gain weight. Okay. I, 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 won't, I won't disagree with you on that one. All right. Let's move to my last two. Uh, I got Goga Batazde, the, uh, the center. Uh, the Serbian center uh, from overseas. Uh, I have uh, if Enos Kanter could also play defense and shoot the <laughs> shoot the shoot the three ball. Um, he's a super intriguing player, very quick, uh, like Enos Kanter. Uh, he can dribble like Enos too. Um, Enos is very good at you know taking from the top of the key, dribbling and attacking. Yeah, uh, he's very good at you know uh, on trailing, uh, getting the ball in his hands from like near the three point line and then driving in and, and, and attacking the bucket. Um, Goga is very very good at that as well, but he also can do that just on the defensive side. He's very good at weak side blocks. He's very good at just bodying up a, a guy trying to uh, drive as well and and stuffing shots. Um, Goga is a very smart player, and I think just if Cantor could play defense, uh, you would see Goga Bataste. So it's a guy that it will be definitely very intriguing because. He is a, a modern day five um, who can shoot the three. So if he's, um, I have him a little bit lower, kind of like what you said a little bit earlier, John, with uh, Seku, there is that European bias. I don't think he's going to be taking that high. I feel um, like he's got such a solid floor, like one mm-hmm. of the best in this draft class, probably. But talent wise, it's it's all there, and, and he's he's extremely gifted. Um, and the last I have guy, low just because of fit. Mm. Fit okay. Yeah, it's, like, centers yeah. are tricky. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of teams need centers outside of the Hawks, and I don't think the yeah. Hawks are going to go after a guy like Goga. A lot of centers have come into the league the last couple of years. It's true. Yeah, and it's and a lot of the times you can get by with you know the just another guy. Pick somebody up from right. free agency for a year or two. Keep on moving. It's not it, one of those positions where the top end guys massively impactful, but mm-hmm. everybody else, eh, you get by. And my last guy's going to be Casey Akpala from Stanford. I'm going to go with an offensive Tayshon uh, Prince because Tayshon was uh, an elite defender. Um, but at least when you're That's looking – Thank you. Uh, <laughs> when you're looking strictly offensively, uh, guys that can put the ball on the floor, guys that can attack, guys that can move the ball as well, and guys that can score. Um, and uh, one thing that I think Casey's going to need to do is just improve – uh, shooting-wise, um, and, and, and Tayshawn was a, a decent th- uh, free-throw shooter. I think that's something that Casey's going to need to build up on. Uh, but that's something that, I mean, is is something that you can put work into. And He's become in the project a project free-throw shooter. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think if, if we're talking strictly offense, I think he, he looks like Tayshawn Prince. But Tayshawn was an elite defender, so that was the reason why he stayed in the league for so long. Um, but that's going to do it. Uh, for, for our comps, John, we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, your mock draft is really intriguing, and you got all you got all sixty picks in there too, which I like. Uh, you didn't you didn't skip out on your your, your picks, and you didn't skip out of your cops, uh, which we appreciate you, which we appreciate, and we can't wait to have you on in May. Okay, it'll be a lot of fun. A lot right. of fun, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, John. But let's move into the last topic, and we're going to welcome on our patron Ziani. Uh, Washington. It's been a long time since we talked to Z. Uh, and if you want to talk to us uh, on, on the podcast, uh, come in and check out patreon.com slash podcast. You can check out the $10 tier. But we're welcoming in our favorite Suns fan, Z. Z, it's been a long time. How you been? I've been better than I deserve, fellas. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. You know, we're glad you're doing good. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think since you're a patron, I think you deserve a lot. And I think being a Suns fan, too, and having patience, I think that also is very deserving <laughs> uh, of being good. Which is not rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not exactly. Yet. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of like, uh, what's it called? Uh, when you're, uh, we're around the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The religious holidays. Uh, mm-hmm. What's it, before death? What's it called? Uh, before you get to heaven. 
purgatory. Oh, purgatory. purgatory. Yeah, you're in the the sun's purgatory right now. You're just waiting for them the to long be good. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> but it's gonna pay off hopefully uh, for your sons. I, I mean, at least the Laker struggles have got to be giving you some type of like happiness right now, right, Tozy? Like watching it their does, turmoil, you're like, oh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> at least they're not having fun either. <laughs> It, it, it's funny because I just find a new. Uh, we're talking about Game of Thrones earlier. Uh-huh. I just find a new enemy, like Cersei. Like no matter, like you know the the House Lakers suck now. But now I'm turning my attention to Sir Luca. I hate that dude. <laughs> Why do you hate Luca? Just because, man. Like because took the all the attention he was getting, and everybody's like, oh, you know. DeAndre Aiden should have been picked like this, but this dude's averaging what sixteen and eleven or something crazy. So quietly, and eleven. <laughs> give him, give him the, give him, give him his respect, man. So it's not because you're. Yeah, I'm just a hater. It's not because you wanted Luca. It's because you want more respect for your boy DeAndre Aiden. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I'm happy with what we got. I like our little nucleus. I'm just saying, yo, Luca might have been a good fit for that team. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, you are going to be adding to that nucleus no matter what. Y'all have the uh, the third best. Uh, well, I guess you guys First. are you're, you're slotted into the third uh, odds. It's it's such it's a, such a weird thing because we're so used to the, the yeah. last year. But uh, you guys are at least you finished with the third worst record, tied for the third worst with Cleveland. Uh, you have the uh, fifty or you have fifty two point one percent odds for the top four, uh, just like New York, Cleveland. Uh, and yourselves, and then you also have 14% uh, chance for the number one overall pick, um, like New York, Cleveland, and Phoenix as well. Uh, so you guys have the highest chances uh, with two other teams to get the number one overall pick. And an article came out today uh, from The Athletic from Sam V. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last uh, name good uh, out of respect for him. Um, and he <laughs> said, uh, sources around the NBA are buzzing that Morant is actually the p- player the Suns prefer to end up with, particularly Jones, is thought to be a fan of the dynamic lead guard. It's not a surprise given their need at the point guard position, but color me skeptical that the team would actually take him number one. So we're talking now today, if the Phoenix Suns get the number one overall pick, should they take John Morant over Zion Williamson? And Z, I'm going to go to you. Um, First off, what do you think about the other Z and Zion Williamson? And what do you think about John Morant? Before you you give us the answer on should they take uh, John over uh, Zion number one? Man, he's 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 something that we've never seen before, you know. I mean, you guys pay way more attention to sports or basketball and stuff than uh than the average fan does and uh I mean, I haven't heard uh you know, like a, a template or somebody who who we could compare this dude to. Um just his I mean, the the uber athleticness that he has, you know, people you want to say like Dominique or or uh um Sean Kemp or LeBron and then yeah. just his body size and the position that he plays, you know, people want to say Charlie B, Charles Barkley, <laughs> or Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard I heard even Grandma Mob being mentioned, yeah. uh, Larry Johnson, but I mean that's that's no comparison. But I mean, he's you know the college player of the year as a freshman. You know what I mean? Just the impact that he has on the court and off the court. Just you know, I, I thought the Suns having the number one pick and picking the hometown kid and all this stuff would be enough to bring like some popular and, uh, you know, attention towards this way. Uh, but I mean, on the contrary, everybody's up Lucas, but, and, and uh, <laughs> Trey young and stuff, but, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing anyone can say negative if we were to pick, um, uh, Zion and just the, the impact that he'll have on the court too. just, you know, the, the, the defensive liability that people like to say Deandre is, 
I mean, having this dude who can damn near fly uh, from anywhere on the court to protect the rim, that's going to be a big uh, addition defensively and just the intimidating presence he'll bring on that side. And then offensively, I mean, he can handle the ball. He can shoot a little bit. Obviously, he's a monster in the open court. In the half court, I'm pretty sure we could – uh, Igor would be able to draw up some plays and, you know, backdoor screens and lobs and stuff to, you know, get him active in the half court uh, game. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I can say about little Z as I'll call him. Um, I'm big Z. So <laughs> there's, there's room enough though. There's room enough in Arizona. You're willing to show you're a gracious guy. I am. <laughs> scratch my back. I'll scratch your back. <laughs> I think he appreciates that. Uh, and what do you think about John Morant? Because you were, you came on right away and pretty much said we need a point guard. So so what do you what do you in watching him and at least uh, knowing what he's like and what he's about? Um, do you think he can help the Suns in the way that you think the the Suns need point guard help? If you can you can and I mean this man and and I swear I wish I could like go back in time and 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 speak to you guys like a. Uh, a year ago, but I've been on the John, John Morant hype train, man, before the season started. Ooh. And I was telling everybody like, man, this dude, John Morant, like mark my words. He's, if, if you don't know about him, you are going to, and, and sure as I don't want to cuss, but sure as, <laughs> as shoot, this dude is, you know, uh, argue like, you know, people are contemplating whether he should be the number one pick overall. And just, I mean, he reminds me of like a little Russ, man, a little Russell Westbrook, just, you know, just the intensity he plays with, talk about uber athleticism dunking over dudes and you know what I mean just that ferociousness that he has and you know I heard one of my friends talking about uh the uh Colin Sexton like oh he's just like another Colin Sexton heck no like he's he's more controlled like I think that's Russ Russ, that's Westbrook's problem is like he's all this energy and stuff and sometimes he can you know be a little uncontrollable and you know all the turnovers I think I heard him say that He's averaging like six turnovers a game in the mm-hmm. playoffs this year so far. And, I mean, when you when you handle the ball as much as Russ does and Jaw does, you're going to have turnovers. But, I mean, for this dude to down there be averaging a, a, a triple-double, um, you know, with the rebounds, the assists, and obviously the scoring, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that can definitely translate, I think, to the, uh, to the Suns. And then just having Booker, who's been playing point book and, you know, taking some of that responsibility away from, book and then on the same time on the same hand or the other hand uh book taking away the ball handling responsibilities from jaw i think that'll turn down his um turnovers you know proneness and um i think i mean we need a point guard dude any anybody who plays point guard <laughs> good we need that and i think definitely he'll be way more than what uh we can anticipate from that position or what we've been getting since nashville really or bled mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm surprised that since you you've been on, uh, you know, in the past year, that you and Dave just haven't talked about your love of John Morant because I remember yeah. Dave talking about know, John Morant <laughs> post post mock uh, post draft last year too. So uh, I mean, it's it's crazy that you're sure. you're now in the spot to either you know hopefully uh, take the guy that you've been in love with in John Morant or one of the best college prospects we've seen in, in Zion Williamson. Uh, we know our thoughts obviously on on, on these players, Zion Williamson, John Morant. So uh, let's go to the the Suns guy first in, in Z and and. If if you're the Suns, number one overall, who are you going with? Are you going with Zion Williamson, you know, obviously the best prospect in this draft, or are you going with the guy that you still love uh, and and fills that positional need? With with my love for for Ja being, um, you know, uh, 
into this equation that I came up with, I still have to go with uh with, with Zion, man, because You're a like smart said, man, Z. You're a smart man. There's you know, mind over mind over matter. And and you, you think about it like it's easier not easier, but you'll have a, a more feasible time trying to find a, a point guard, especially coming up. I know damn near everybody who's a good point guard is a restricted free agent this coming up all season, but I mean, there's there's plenty of, of uh, ways we can go uh, to fill the point guard hole that we have. But as far as that four spot, and I think that's where we'd end up putting Ja is or not Ja, but Zion is at the four. Um, mm. and, like you, I mean, what Derek Favors? Uh, like who? Like who? Who can fill that four spot for mm. us? And like you, you can't find there isn't anyone in history that we could you know compare them to. There's nobody in the league right now. I mean, you could try to say Blake, but I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, that's probably the best comparison, but I don't think that does Zion justice um, either. But you'll have an easier time trying to replace what Ja can do as opposed to what Zion could do. So, with, I mean, if if, if the gods favor us, the old gods and the new, <laughs> you know, just on this Game of Thrones, I love um, it. Thing, I love it. If 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 we could if we could find favor again, man, and and the good Lord blesses us to get the number one pick again. I mean, if, if I'm James Jones, I'm definitely going with the guy from Duke and uh, putting him at the four and then trying to, you know, find go elsewhere, whether it be trade. I just seen the Bleacher Report um, uh, article pop up saying that the Suns were one of the favorites to, to pursue Drew Holiday along with, with you guys as Bulls too. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we can go with Drew. We can go with uh, – What's the uh, what's the dude the backup from Boston? Uh, uh, Terry Rozier. Yeah, Terry Rose, scary Terry. We could go that route. We could try to um, offer D'Angelo Russell a big contract. Try to trade for Lonzo. Like I mean, there's there's options we can we can go with point guard. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're not going to replace a, a Zion or a four. Yeah, find we- a four like him. So. I agree with you on that front. My question is, uh, as Zion fits in with this team, like, what is his role going to be like at the next level? Because a lot of people watch him dominate in smaller competition at college, and while it is one of the most enjoyable things to watch him swat a ball 30 feet, you know, just completely out into the stands, uh, his help defense is awesome. But offensively, like, where does he really fit in with this team? Because obviously, like, fast break, he's amazing. But can he run a half? But can like where's his role in like the half court offense with Dev Booker at the point or one of these uh, Frasian guards that you might be able to pick up? I mean, like I don't know, man. You See, know, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, unfortunately, I, I don't, I don't know if anybody has an answer yet because it's just like he. My assumption is just it's gonna work. Like he is such a talented player and he's such a unique build physically. Then I'm like, I don't know what he's gonna do on the court, but he's gonna be out there. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be awesome. Doing something. Yeah. yeah. Like and I don't I know mean, if he's a twenty point a game scorer guy at the NBA, but I, I think he's one of the most impactful players that's gonna be in this draft. I mean, I think I think he's strong enough to I mean, get in the paint. And and really like I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um like there's there's really there there's big men in the NBA, but there's not a whole lot of like traditional like like big size big men anymore yeah. like right now playing the four like there's not a whole bunch of dudes who are going to be able to like move them off the block and, and stuff like that and and i'm not saying you want to just make them a traditional four because you're doing a disservice to your team mm-hmm. no but he's got the strength to... because of his size exactly and then i mean i just think about like draymond like 
obviously there are two different types of players, but you put Draymond at the four and what Draymond's like, what, six, 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 five or something yeah. like that, similar to, to, mm-hmm. to Zion. Um, and I mean, he, he could shoot it a little bit. He could, I think he could move, he could uh, take somebody off the dribble. You know what I mean? Or just like run plays. I mean, that's where you gotta, you pay these coaches yeah. uh, all this money. Like they better figure out how to use Zion. I and think if, if they, can't, then, I mean, what the hell are you doing coaching in the NBA? <laughs> I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me, at least in Zion's game, is his ability to do whatever you ask him to. And I think that's the easiest thing that's going to pan out for anyone who has him, uh, especially for Igor, because, you know, I don't think you need to really find a traditional role for him at all. I think the biggest thing you just need to be able to do is just make sure he's touching the ball. Because if he's touching the ball, something's going to happen. He's either going to find somebody who's open. He's either going to be able to take his man and, and take him to the bucket. He's either going to, you know, be able to uh, find a way. I mean, he's not a, a guy that turns over the, the ball over a ton either. Um, he'll either pass it back and just, you know, keep the ball safe and then go up and set a screen. I mean, he's a guy that stays active. He's a guy that finds a way. He's a guy that, even when he's not getting the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, let's say Devin Booker just misses a three. Zion will be near there, you know, well, grabbing probably. offensive boards. And that's one thing, too that and before you know you jump in uh-huh. um you having deandre ayton and zion williamson you know down low grabbing offensive boards for mm-hmm. you i don't think that's gonna be able to be you know matched up against that's pretty i mean it's, it's one of the best combos there at least offensively. all the damn rebounds <laughs> yeah the only way i don't take zion and i wouldn't do this by the way but the only way i don't is if like in tankathon before we started the segment i hit sim the lottery and it ended up phoenix at one the Hawks okay. at two, Bulls at three. If that lines up, then if let's say I don't want Zion and I want Ja, I'm calling the Bulls. I'm saying how much? How much do you want Ja? Because I know the Hawks wouldn't take Ja. Now the Hawks could make a trade because they've done it before, and then you might not get Ja at three. But the thing I'm already looking at is I'm Phoenix. If I get the number one pick, I'm running that Z- that Zion pick up to the podium. Because just look at the point guard. Next year, we're going to have a wealthy point guard class. There's two guys from France that could be lottery picks. There's um, Ayo Desumu from Illinois. There's Nico Manning, who I am already falling in love with him. Like, watching his hoop summit, watching his highlight tape, I am really (laughs) falling in love with him. And then we're also going to have— He's from out here, right? Yeah, he is. He's going to Arizona. Um, Then you've got Cole— did he? I didn't know he went to uh, Pinnacle, but I know yeah, he committed. But uh, Cole Anthony probably will go to NC, uh, UNC, but he's a kid that can still go to Oregon. He's kind of deciding between the two. LaMelo is going to be in this class, and whatever you think about the Ball family, like LaMelo is supposed to be the best of the three, that I kind of look at the Suns and I go, if I'm at one, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to take Zion because next year, even if I'm still in the lottery, there could be a point guard that I can get next year. Well, and the thing too is you don't—you're not in a huge rush because DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton's still super young. Uh, Devin Booker just signed his contract extension, and he's still super young. He's not even 24 yet, um, mm-hmm. I, I believe. I think he's still 22, right, G? Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, Devin Booker—he'll uh, be 23 in October. So I mean, you still have a lot of time uh, to wait for Devin Booker, and I mean, he still needs some growing to do as well. So I mean, there's time for. For him to really mature. Um, and one thing, too, you bring up LaMelo. Um, I just saw him next to his brother. He's bigger than yeah. He's bigger than well, Zell, Lonzo, which is crazy. Like Lonzo seven, said he's going to be a lottery yeah. pick. Uh, so it, it, it's super interesting to see what happens there. Uh, if, it, if he does pan out, we've got to give a shout-out to uh, Negro Thomas on Twitter. He's been talking to me about that. Um, he also said Ball Ball's a top three pick. 
Uh, I'll, I'll lean towards Lamelo over yeah. Ball Ball there, but um, I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting for the Suns. Um, I don't see there's a way that they pass up Zion Williamson, and I don't think Sam Sam V uh, from the Athletic was saying that. There's just buzz that they might, and mm-hmm. I, I, I would wonder if they get the number one overall pick. Would you make a trade? That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Is I, I I don't think so, just because. We're, I mean, we're talking about Zion, and you, there's no reason to pass him up. There's no reason to trade him away. And, yes, you do need a point guard, uh, but I don't think that's worth passing up a guy who can be a, a generational player for a guy like John Morant. And even then, like, I don't think you'll be able to find enough value for it because you really don't mm-hmm. know the value of a Zion Williams. Because if you give him up for three first-round picks, you might be underselling him there. Do you want to be put in the same category as the Portland Trailblazers? Yikes. I don't think Bowie will be that bad. Uh, but, uh, like John, Mar- John, well, no. John Morant won't be as bad as Sam. But Bowie. I'm saying, like, Let's if Zion exactly. becomes what we think he could be, it would right. be almost that category. Almost. I don't know. I think it's it's funny though because like we had Jerry West came out and talked about how Zion is in that like can't miss area mm-hmm. of prospects. It's like it would be Michael Jordan s to pass on him. So. I think coming from Jerry West at that point, you want you want to just frame those words on the wall and be like, "Well, that's the truth." <laughs> like I know Paul Pierce is the truth, but no, no Jerry West's opinion on basketball and prospects. Know, I don't know if Paul Pierce good. is the truth anymore after he yeah, saying he's better than D Wade. Yeah, he, he definitely hurt himself with that one. Uh, but whatever, he's he's an honest guy with a lot of a uh, lot of self uh, something. Uh, <laughs> he tells his truth, self belief. Yeah, yeah. self belief. Yeah, 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 tells his truth is also a very good way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't think a, tr- a trade's going to happen if if, if the uh, if the Suns are in that position for number one. I, I don't see a reason to because yes, need is super important. But we've talked about this time and time again. If you trade him and you know Zion turns out to be mm-hmm. a next level player, if he becomes a top ten player, you're gonna look stupid. And, mm-hmm. and even if Ja you know turns into be an all star, but he's not a top ten player, you're still passed up. You know Zion for that. It would have to be like a, a Dallas Mavericks Trey Young trade, but. I don't think you're going to be able to find that because, uh, and and also I don't think you're going to be in a, a reason to, you know, if you're out there and you take Ja number one, you're just going to give the next team, you know, Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. So like, if they are going to take Ja, I think they're going to have to trade down if they do get the number one overall pick. Um, but if they get the number one overall pick, I think it's going to be Zion. And I, yeah. really, I don't think there's a reason not to. Like, no. I'm not worried about his health that much. I'm not worried about his fit in the NBA. Some people are saying that he's not a next generation talent. He might not be. I mean, Zion might not hit in this in this 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 draft. That's a very that's a, it's a possibility. But I think it's one of those risks you have to take. Yeah, and I don't really think it's that much of a risk. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah, I gotta, me either. I, go ahead, Z. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna say like uh, just being a Suns fan, you just kind of you kind of like go through these different scenarios, and and something that you take into consideration is like the backlash. Like so. If 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 we draft Zion, and worst case scenario, you know injuries riddle his career, or he doesn't pan out, or he's just not as good as we thought he was going to be, or even if he's just a complete bust, like mm-hmm. nobody can blame us for that because the whole world is saying draft Zion. But if you pass on him and he's what we think he is, mm-hmm. then you're you're screwed. You know what I mean? Like we're never going to be able to live that down. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good point too because I mean you I mean you you've been watching Devin Booker for what four years now. Um and he's he's been a guy that you either love Devin Booker or you hate Devin Booker. Dave brought this up last uh last se- segment uh where uh 
our, our patron John compared yeah. uh, to Dave, Tyler Hero Dave's to eyes of like what did I say? To, Wait, what? to Devin Booker <laughs> like and perked up like a meerkat. And immediately Dave was like, "Yeah, I didn't want to bring him up because people are just going to give me shit if I bring up Devin Booker, whether because Devin Booker's better than than that comparison or Devin Booker's not worth and that who? comparison." Who did he compare him to? Uh, Tyler Harrow from Kentucky. What? College production, one of the most efficient shooters. Um, it, yeah, it was just really hard. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. yeah. And, right, and see, you got you have the same reaction. College Booker. Yeah, yeah college, exactly. Booker. college Booker. Yeah, exactly. Make that distinction, though, man. Yeah, he said College Booker, <laughs> Prospect Booker. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing is, though, like, I mean, Yeah, people, no problem with that. Okay. Pe- people see Devin Booker, and they're either like, He's a he's he's a, a force, and I think you believe he's a force. So or the worst just, player to have back to back fifty games, right? Yeah, or he's the worst player to have back to back fifty games. Whoa. He's the worst player to score uh, sixty plus. Like, I mean, people either love him or hate him and want to tear him down. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's it, it is what it is. But I agree, like it's he he is such a it's, polarizing player. Well, just it's, it, it, and the reason is because, like I said, man, unfortunately the Suns aren't good, and they haven't been good in a long time. And, I mean, there's really nothing Arizona has going for as far as sports is concerned. Yeah. Like, all of our sports teams suck except for the Mercury. And then uh, the the fake football league that was out, the hot shots, <laughs> we were doing good. But then the damn league. They <laughs> so, like, out every, every successful team, you know what I mean? The Coyotes barely missed the playoffs and, like, all this junk. And, I mean, like, anything good that we got going for us, we try to hold it. And, like, Arizona is full of transplants. So, like, it's like a whole lot of people from – LA from mm-hmm. Texas from Mexico from all these other places and there's not a lot of natives so anything that Arizona has that's good or Phoenix or whatever the case we try to hold on to it and we you know what I mean we're protective over the things we got going for us so I mean that's just the reason why you you'll get such a I mean I don't even know how loud Sun's Twitter is but that's why <laughs> you'll get like a backlash or whatever you know what I mean it's just because I mean, even the damn uh, what is it? What's that basketball sh- uh, show on ESPN? Um, the the jump? jump, like that that girl. What's her name? Rachel, Rachel Nichols. Nichols. Yeah. yeah. Every single time she opens her mouth about the Suns, it's something <laughs> super negative, dude. Yeah. It and is. it's just like that's that's how we're perceived, and, and rightfully so. From the top of our organiz- organization down to the bottom, is just has been a a a, a poo poo show lately. Yeah, man. And, you know what I mean? Suns so fans are mad. Anything good, we're just protective. Well, and I think the big thing, too, is that I think Phoenix needs some, uh, what's it called? Uh, just something, uh, I had the word in my head, and now I completely forgot it. Um, just something that gives them validation, or just, like, gives them, yeah. like, all right, we are here, and you cannot yep. question this part, because you even brought this up, like, the success of Arizona franchises, like, Phoenix it does not have uh, an NBA title. Uh, the Cardinals do not have a, so a Super Bowl t- title. That was um, bullshit, by the way. Yeah, and same with the Suns, too. Back I mean, on the return, mm-hmm. and I will argue that to the day I die. Suns and Barkley made it to the finals. <laughs> uh, you know, the the whole uh, San Antonio Holmes thing. Like, that yeah. that was bullshit. Uh, uh, what's this? Uh, Harrison shouldn't have actually had that uh, touchdown. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, like, uh, and then you look at the Diamondbacks uh, uh, World Series as well. Oh, more Goldie. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, oh, we got a World Series. Yeah, we got a World Series, but even then, you look at your best player—the guy who hit the game winner in that in, in that uh, in that uh, in that game seven or whatever it was in Arizona, uh, Luis Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. He was roided out. 
So it's immediately like <laughs> they were all just, roided out then. Not, we don't Luis Gonzalez it. was especially yeah. roided out. <laughs> we, um, we don't question it. Like they were all taken. But, but that's the thing is like you could even question that and like you even look at yeah. it like oh Kurt Schilling was your number two and Kurt Schilling's now like enemy number one because mm-hmm. he's a huge asshole. Yeah. Um, who was roided out? Yeah. Who was also <laughs> roided out? Um, so that's the thing is and like we got the Mercury man. There you go. Yeah. Got, just hold on to them. You got the Mercury and then even Arizona like the the Coyotes like they have not they've uh. been they've there's always rumors that they're going to leave and they're not even like you said. Arizona and I first like whenever you say Arizona I think Wildcats before I think Coyotes. Well, even then, no, you look at the, the Arizona Wildcats <laughs> no, as well. Sean not, Miller. Let's not, let's not do that. It's really depressing talk. Well, I'm just I'm just saying like if you get Zion, that's not depressing. That's something that's yeah. saying we are here, we are real, we are so, something that cannot be questioned. Zion so that's could be to the Suns. They what give Derrick Rose was to the Bulls, except Derrick Rose was hometown. They yeah, give you so an authority. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton. So that's the question is, if you want to establish that you are here and Zion's in this, how many wins is this team going to have next year? Because if you think that Zion is you know, the impactful player that he is, like, are we talking about a run for an eight seed here? The, bro, look. The battle with Luka. We, we would have, I'm not saying we would have made the playoffs, but we, we would have hit 30-something wins if we had a point guard, man. Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I believe that, bro. Like, I believe that very very strongly if we had a point guard who could run the offense and and feed deandre Aiden, i mean it was a stretch where like dude only had like six shots a game yeah and it's like how did how how does that happen like you gotta feed this dude and then i mean all the injuries and i mean if we had a point guard bro i think we would have won like 30 something games so I, that could just be me as a a a, a brainwashed no and that's fine like as a bulls fan i'm like is. we're we're a playoff team like no questions asked so mm-hmm. like we're completely yeah. good with these takes on the show z so you think that they can so jump from 19 to you know the range of like the upper 30s uh going into next year that's all i want that's all i want as long as we're not in the damn like top, top 4 10 yeah i'm good all i'm right. good yeah, I, I would have been the, happy this year with like twenty six wins. Yeah, I, that would have been nice. I mean, and you guys still would have been in fifteenth uh, in the West. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing that, that I, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know about upper thirties yeah, for, for even adding Zion, um, but I think I think it would just bring motion to this rebuild finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you even have like you know rumors coming out that it's the worst you know front office ever, and you have uh, Sarver who's seen as the worst owner. Like, I mean, getting Zion. Not only would it add wins to this team, not only would it add uh, something that gives you an authority uh, there, and it, it would just give you something to, I think, more hope at least in Phoenix. Um, and it wouldn't just be a team that's kind of just the deserted wasteland. Um, I, I think, I think even if you get Ja too, like Ja will still have this impact. But if you have the number one overall pick, I think this is why you can't pass up uh, Zion. If you yeah. get, if you get Ja, um, I think, I think things are still going to be golden. At two or three, it's yeah. still going to push things forward. Um, and I think oh, this, sure. is, this is going to be a team that could get to like 25 wins for sure. Um, yeah. But it, it is something that if if you get the number one overall pick, you have to get Zion because it's just going to add credibility to your team. Yeah. You know, it's very weird that I'm looking up right now. Hmm. If the Suns get Ja yep. and they go to the playoffs, it would be almost exactly like when the Bulls drafted Derrick Rose. Because you look at it, we were, not, team was we were not a playoff team, but you think about it. Our point guards were Duhan and Kurt Heinrich. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Captain Kirk, I love you. Do hunt. Uh, uh, we had Ben Gordon starting at the two. We had Luau Dang at the three. A young Tyrus Thomas at the four. Yeah. And a rookie oh, Joakim Noah at the five. So, yeah, I mean, honestly. Derek like, Rose, we drafted him. We're a playoff team his rookie year. That's a fun comp. 
like I looked at that and I was like, wow, like I think a the, point guard makes the world a difference in the NBA. It absolutely does. That's so if you get if you get yourself a Zion Williamson and then you get a point guard in free agency, you guys are pretty much set moving forward to uh, compete. Hopefully, you know, in that in that mm-hmm. late uh, late lottery, you know, potential eighth seed range, maybe. The one thing though is how bad was the East that year? Well, I didn't look at that. I so that's the only thing. Just, well, that's I the mean, the East is. and West are different. There are some similarities. That's what I'm that's, saying. It's just like, I, giving, I don't think the East was that. I'm I don't giving, think the East give credit I'm giving you credit. That's I actually not don't think the a East, crazy take. No, I know. I know. I'm just saying. Like, that's, oh, the West that's, is loaded right that now. That would be yeah, the yeah. one thing that would hurt the, the Suns' chances yeah. of making mm-hmm. the playoffs is the conference they play in. The question that I want to throw. I don't think it's a bad comp. I'm just saying that's the one thing that probably holds that comp back. The question I want to throw at you, Z, and I sim the lottery again on Tangathon, which is a terrible thing to do. That's already does. Let's say the top three ended out this way. Knicks at one, Grizz at two, and then the Suns at three. If you're at three behind the Grizzlies, are you trading up with the Grizz to try to get Ja? Or are you going to sit there and go, you know what? I don't think they take Ja. We can get them at three. Like, if you're the Suns, if you're not at one or two, do you trade up for Ja no matter what? Or do you sit back, even if you're at three, and say, no, we can get Ja right there at number three? Nope, I'm not trading. Um, I'll see this. I'll wait to see if the obviously New York will take Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I think uh, Memphis is going to trade or let or trade or either let what you call it walk. Um, Mike Conley, what's his face? Michael Conley. So yeah. I, I think they're they're going to definitely go with uh, Ja. And if they didn't, then we pick them up. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I think they actually I think they'd probably be better suited getting a wing, huh? Yeah, they might RJ. they might go for RJ. Yeah, yeah. I can see that easy. So, I think, I think so I, the Grizzlies I think, can go job, but yeah, I mean if if they're gonna stick and ride with Conley, they yeah, probably gonna win. So, so I put mean, the polls there instead. Put the polls at two. <laughs> put the Suns at three. Like if Ja is off the board and if Zion's off the board, so, as a Suns okay. fan, what are you doing? Trade the trade it quick. Trade, <laughs> trade it quick. Because if we, we do not need no we don't need another wing. I don't want RJ Barrett, I don't want Cam Reddish. Uh, what's the 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 point guard out of wherever he? I don't know any you other point guard. It? I'm not interested in. It's either Darius uh, yeah, Garland not, or Kobe White. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested in either of those. And they might turn out to be the steals of the draft. Who knows? But mm-hmm. what I would do as a Suns fan, what would make me happy if Ja and um, Zion are both off the board? Yep. Trade it and try to get a point guard that way, a proven guy who's already been in the league. Ah. Preferably, preferably Lonzo, like. Ooh. Give give that give that pick to the Lakers for Lonzo, and I mean we'd even throw him like Dragon Bender or somebody I don't know just to <laughs> move a contract. Give us give us Lonzo, and then that'll give you more more uh, firepower to to get uh, Anthony Davis to L.A. That'd be so interesting. That's what I would say. It's interesting. The I think I think I think Lonzo is like the perfect point guard for the Suns right now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he'd definitely be interesting because, I mean, you look at the – I mean, the biggest knock on Booker, and I think it's fair, is his lack of defense. And, I mean, Lonzo has been the best defender for the Lakers for the past two years. So, immediately, that that's an improvement there. And, I mean, his ability to facilitate is, is insane. Um, and, and, and running the fast break, he's he's bar none. I mean, one of, the, one of the better ones, yeah. It's just really the half and court. And, too, pause. What's that? I said his size, too, pause. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's ideal, man. If we could – that's why – <laughs> When uh, this whole uh, uh, Anthony Davis to the Lakers thing, it was all bittersweet because obviously the Lakers are going to get better. But if we could get Lonzo somehow, I mean, godly, 
<laughs> well, and also, I mean, you got to look at his his uh, his career in Phoenix, uh, Lonzo Ball. First ever game he had there, he had the triple double. So uh, immediately, he's he's Anymore. performed in Phoenix. Yeah. So and his dad's a prophet. He said all three of them are going to be in Phoenix. So we'll <laughs> did he really say that? Yeah. Oh, he, all this. he was on a sports radio show out here. Okay. He said it. I love it. So. Right, well, that's going to do it for uh, for the Phoenix talk. If the Suns are at one, we're all thinking that they should take Zion Williamson. Uh, but you know, if if they do get the number one two, if they get the number two pick, uh, John Morant would be a great pick for them, and I think that would be probably the uh, the, the the plan that's going to end up happening. Uh, obviously, we got to see what happens with the lottery on May fourteenth, right? May fourteenth. Mm-hmm. I should it? have this date. Tuesday, memorized. May fourteenth. Tuesday, May fourteenth. So obviously, we'll be waiting there. Uh, Z will be uh, glued to his TV, hoping that the uh, hoping the Suns come up two or one. Uh, but we'll have to see until that date. Uh, Z, we're so glad that you could join us, and uh, good luck with Game of Thrones uh, finishing the binge. The, the sun will rise. <laughs> Winter's here, my friend. All right. The sun will rise. And if you want to be like Z, check out patreon.com slash podcast. Also, don't forget to check us out on iTunes. If you're over there, rate us five stars. It would mean the absolute world to us. We want to thank Z, we want to thank John, and we want to thank Eric all for being on the Patreon podcast today. Uh, loaded up with Patreons uh, today. And then next week, we will have uh, another mock draft. And is that going to be the lotto mock draft? That's the live lotto. That's the live lotto. So, Z, we mm-hmm. will have an answer for you on where the Suns will be picking uh, in our mock draft uh, next week. So stay tuned <laughs> to that. Uh, and then for Dave Oster, for Ricky Whitmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.